Hey everybody, right before the show, wanted to let you know we have an update to our Patreon. A brand new monthly movie podcast is available now for $10 and up patrons at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. You want to hear me and Bob talk all about Mask of the Phantasm? The best Batman movie of all time? You can hear all about that in our long, almost three hours long podcast, patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Hey everybody, real quick up top, just wanted to mention, if you're confused at about the hour mark in this episode where we talk a bit about George H.W. Bush and you're like, why aren't you guys mentioning that he recently passed away? That's because we recorded this a whole month ago. So just saying that to clear up any confusion, back to the show. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons where we tell Mother Nature hard cheese. I'm your host, enchanting must-haver Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Delightful little ragamuffin Henry Gilbert. And who do we have on the line? It's just a bunch of yes-men, Mafu. <laughs> and today's episode is The Old Man and the Lisa. <laughs> Dad, you're not supposed to have fun recycling, this is serious. Oh, okay. <laughs> Today's episode aired on April 20th, that's right, 420, 1997, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh my god! Happy 420, Bobby! Okay. Sideburns lover Don Mattingly turns 36. Nickelodeon debuts The Angry Beavers, and the very same night as this episode, the WWF has their pay-per-view In Your House 14, Revenge of the Taker, which has Stone Cold <laughs> Steve Austin facing off against Brett Hitman Hart in a match that ends in a bullshit DQ. Wow, so I'll just let you guys talk about that. I'm going to use the bathroom. <laughs> wait, wait, Revenge of the Taker, is that The Undertaker? Yes. And yeah. uh, did he come back to life at this point? Well, this was him. He won the championship at the previous pay-per-view wrestling. WrestleMania 13, so this was his defense of that against Mankind. Mm -hmm. And was Kane part of the picture at this point? The evil, darker Undertaker. We're about six months away from Kane. Okay, okay, I want to know when Kane enters the picture, but uh, Angry Beavers, though, I I always wanted to watch it. My friends uh, Nick and Chris, uh, who have been on What a Cartoon, they are big fans of this show, but I never got around to really getting into it. Uh, what, what's the what's the report on Angry Beavers? Is it good? Is it bad? It was fine for me. It was late. Anything post-Rocco as a Nicktoon, I was like, eh, I'm, I'm feeling slightly too old for this now. It's better than Cat Dog. I'd watch before Cat Dog. Yeah, that is true. Most things are. <laughs> and, it, and it features the voice of... The cat from Sabrina. Nick, Nick Bakai. Nick Bakai, yes. He was in a lot of failed, uh, I think, pilots. Yeah, they, was, they were trying to make Nick Bakai a thing, and it never really took. They're like, we'll put you off camera. You can voice uh, <laughs> fuzzy animals. Uh, so on the line, our special guest, Mafu. Can you tell us who exactly you are uh, and where you're from and what is your relationship with The Simpsons? I'm just trying to recover from all the Simpsons references we've had so far, <laughs> as well as the, the Angry Beavers being brought up, which is amazing. Because as soon as you're conjuring up all these old things, I'm thinking back to, yeah, Angry Beavers. And that was, you know, in the block that we get the, the ill-fated Dumb and Dumber cartoon. Um, we'd have that. We'd have, you know, 
Actually, you know what? Yeah, we'll go into that in another podcast, perhaps. Um, but even you just saying, what a cartoon, I've got the riff in my head. But, <laughs> oh, yes, excellent. Um, That's what it's for. I am a wrestling guy, I guess. Oh, Matthew, are you a wrestler? No, no. Uh, <laughs> I am one of those. How did someone say it? I'm a critic in the sense that critics are like uh, eunuchs in bathhouses. <laughs> they can tell you what you're doing wrong, but they can't do it themselves. And I'm much happier that way. Uh, regards to wrestling, I do a video series called Botchamania, which features wrestlers messing up. And you would think that wrestlers would hate me with every inch of their being. No, wrestlers are a funny bunch. They're a very angry beaver. And they enjoy it when they mess up most of the times, surprisingly, because this is an industry based on putting on spandex and getting people to boo you. So I have to make say, what you will. I have to say, I'm not a major wrestling fan. I watched it when I was a kid and a little when I was a teen, but I do love Botchamania. It's something that I think anyone can get into because it's just a bunch of uh, goofs, goof em ups, <laughs> and, and fun video game music. Can you explain more in detail what that is so people can check it out? I love it. Yeah, we need Troy McClure asleep. So if that's what they cut out, then what they leave in must be pure gold. <laughs> uh, yes. It's all the stuff that goes wrong in wrestling. How can something go wrong in wrestling, Matthew, if it's all predetermined? Well, you'd be surprised. Yeah, some of them more obvious than others. Always done or attended with the intention of laughing at it rather than laughing with. Sometimes that line is a bit blurred, to be honest with you. But yes, I decided to feature video game music very early on when I started doing it because it's what I was listening to. Very into the chip tunes and video game cover music scene. Still doesn't have a really... A, catchy term that's what i thought i'll put it in because it's youtube why the hell not you can get away with that type of thing and it's stuck people used to hate it i've used simpsons arcade music for example and yeah, that's our opening tune too yeah it's up for grabs oh wonderful which which one is it <laughs> the, the first stage one stage one yeah stuff like that and it went from people going what is this bleep bloop shit <laughs> to oh please put in you know uh captain bucky o'hare Nez, oh, great soundtrack. So, yeah, and, there you go. It's not the reference something obscure. And uh, I am a hardcore wrestling fan, and I also. Oh no! I yeah, I know. I and I and I love Botchamania. I also really enjoy how much you get in Simpsons reference in there, including like especially the endings on Botchamania's have some of the best like Simpsons shit posting I've seen either from you or from folks in the Botchamania community. Like, you must be a real... Were you a Simpsons fan first or a wrestling fan first? I think they went hand in hand, to be honest with you. I always watched Simpsons as a kid because my dad had... It may have been the first VHS Simpsons release. I don't want to... Don't quote me on that. Maybe you'll know better. But I'm pretty sure it's one of them. It was uh, Simpsons in, in the Wild or Goes Wild. Oh, mm. Christ. You think I know the name of it by now. But um, season one episode where... Oh, Call of the Simpsons. God, God damn it. It's season one, so unless, you know, it's 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 oh, yeah. all right, but there's so many of a better season. <laughs> I normally forget that yeah. name too. Yeah, it's that one that had like the had that and Treehouse of Horror One. Mm, which wow. is amazing. Uh look looking bad on it, because I'm watching it going, okay, I don't get any of these jokes, but it's animated, but my dad <laughs> thinks it's funny, so I'll watch it. And in the UK, Simpsons has gone from network to network. It was uh on syndicated TV syndicated, sorry, that's an American term. It was on um threshold TV on BBC two, but it was was at six PM, so there was some stuff cut out noticeably, but it then went to Sky One, uh, which is on cable, Rupert Murdoch and all that. Mm -hmm. And basically on the weekdays, was it six PM? Yeah, pretty sure it was six PM. There would be a double bill of the Simpsons every night. And I'm pretty sure it was a very rare night that me and my brother did not watch Wow. <laughs> both both episodes for years. Wow, that's so, 
I feel I've grown up watching The Simpsons um, up to a point. I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> hey, yeah, season 30 is coming out soon, guys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, still the best TV show of all time. You know, there'll be things like Sopranos, The Wire, Twin Peaks, season one. But yeah, to, still The Simpsons from season two to season nine and a bit the best the best the best the best it's great to hear that that kind of indoctrination happened in other countries too we had mm-hmm. the same sort of thing where it was uh, of course we fell in love with it in america every sunday and sometimes thursday and then once syndication started it was often twice a day sometimes more mm-hmm. <laughs> four years and that's how it's all etched into our brains forever so we have the same right. sort of phenomenon happening here it's really good seeing the rise of these simpsonship posts on facebook pages and the remixing going on it's just like oh yeah i get every single thing that's happening in these and and some of them are really out there and you you go yeah that's that from that episode that's that reference from that that's that and it's it's like i don't even need to think (laughs) it's like i imagine you know um you know an actor who's had to do you know macbeth 500 times in a row you know (laughs) that's a good shakespeare shit posting (laughs) i love wow that is a great comparison i do you do you have a favorite uh, one you've used on Botchamania? The current one. Uh, oh, there's actually a few ones that I've made I'm happy with. The Homer listing all his jobs, doing it yeah. with wrestling gimmicks one. Uh-huh. That, that was happy because that, that went into, you know, Marge saying, you should use your powers. That can make you be your job. You can help people. It cuts to the neighborhood watch, but instead of the, the APA Titantron, but I've, you know, obviously edited it <laughs> with the amazing skill to say the a- APU, Apu. <laughs> Ah, that's hilarious. And again, this type of stuff makes me laugh. <laughs> but it is what it is. Uh, that one, and recently the one where Roman Reigns has been avoiding Braun Strowman, and it's the audio of Homer taunting the opposing crowd. Losers, losers. You know, and they start throwing stuff at him. He goes, ha, 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 I am invincible, invincible. Then Braun Strowman throws a chair at him, and it's the same audio as someone throwing the keg at him. Oh, that, that was so painful on the show. But So uh, Mafu is here because obviously he's a wrestling fan, and Bret Hart is the guest star on this episode. He's not in it for very long, but I have to tell you that the Wikipedia summary of this episode, the one-line <laughs> Wikipedia summary of this episode posits that Bret Hart is the center of this story. I want to read it all to you. Uh, this is this is an everything's coming up Simpsons thing, but I found it last night and it, it tickled me so much. So the Wikipedia synopsis is Bret Hitman Hart attempts to buy bankrupt Mr. Burns' house until Lisa helps rebuild his fortune. So obviously <laughs> Brett is the villain. Uh, he is probably uh, shoved into a pool at the end of the episode. And, uh, you know, it's a great it's a big fundraising against Bret Hart's story. <laughs> Uh, obviously, a wrestling fan yeah. wrote this. Yeah, <laughs> right, absolutely. It was actually Bret Hart also featuring The Simpsons. Yes. <laughs> Were you a big Bret Mark, or is he one of your favorites? I mean, we all we all respect him as a legend and all that, but was he a personal favorite of yours in the in the nineties? As a kid, my three heroes growing up were Jesus Christ, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog, and Bret Hart. Wow. Man. My mom, being a very devoted Christian, was not happy when I told her that. <laughs> that was that was the the son, the ghost, and the Holy Spirit. Um <laughs> but yeah, absolutely Bret Hart, his promos would go uh, you, you know my opponent may be bigger than me. He may be stronger than me, but I will bring the fight to him because I'm a fighting man. I'm fighting for all the family men, the lumberjacks out there, and with family values, I will go out to be the best there is, the best there was. And he'll make his opponent, like, this will be the toughest fight he's ever had. You know, Bret Hart may die in the ring tonight. <laughs> um, the Iron Yuppie, he's challenging him later on. The, the Iron Yuppie, he's a great man, seven foot tall, made of steel, he shits bricks. 
and you know, all this. And Bret Hart would make it even even if he was wrestling, you know, Duke the Dumps or Drossy, you think, oh man, Duke could beat Bret Hart tonight. <laughs> so then when Bret would beat him, because Bret Hart, he would always be like, wow, Bret triumphed over the odds yet again. What a man. That's like Jesus. That's the opposite Triple H of mm-hmm. just saying, like, my opponent's terrible. He's the worst. I'm the greatest. I'll always remember my Bret Hart. My opponent's half the size of me. <laughs> I, I will always remember Bret Hart for just having wet hair all the time. Yeah. Just a big fan of the wet, drippy hair. <laughs> this came out at a very uh, interesting time for Bret Hart as well in 97. He was at a crossroads in his career that would ultimately lead him to the Montreal screw job, which is so famous. Even Bob has heard of it. That's true. That's right. He was, had to choose between Springfield and Sheffield. <laughs> that, that came up on another Sheffield, podcast. You <laughs> fucking idiot. Shelbyville. Shelby, she- Sheffield is a town in the UK. I Jesus was confused. Sorry. I think we, <laughs> I'm I think, sorry, guys. I don't know in what context it came up, but I think we explained the Montreal screw job in, in full on a podcast at some point. Yeah. On one boy, of our podcasts. I, I cannot recall why it, why exactly but yeah until a recent ish wrestling episode of the simpsons this is the most wrestling the show had ever really had and the first actual wrestling guest star they had because i don't especially from listening to the commentary i don't think the writers were particularly big wrestling fans uh based on especially one story i'll get to later when we get to the brett scene but they at least they drew brett correctly though and, and have you ever met brett matthew in all your travels yes he did a tour of the UK two years ago. Coincidentally, he came at the same time WWE was in town in the, the town he was running. He had nothing to do with WWE that night. He just happened <laughs> to be in the same town as it. So he was there. He was drunk and he was just like, I don't know why everyone think I'm miserable. I just like wrestling how it used to be. He'd have like a Guinness and be like, God, <laughs> Seth Rollins is so risky. I can't believe he broke Cena's nose. He just shit on everybody. He was like three <laughs> miles away. You know, if he said it a bit louder, they would have stopped wrestling on. Is Bret Hart talking shit about me? Um, and I was very happy to ask him about this episode. So I know oh. this, I'm, I'm very pissed actually because I checked the Wikipedia like any sane individual would as a, go to a podcast about subject. And yeah, the story is going to tell of the one he told. So I thought it was exclusive, but obviously Aww. not. It's a good story though. Yeah. So this episode, it is great. <laughs> this episode's title is a parody of of the Ernest Hemingway story, The Old Man in the Sea. And I'll tell you what, the Simpsons were a big fan of parodying this title because we have The Old Man in the Lisa, mm-hmm. The Old Man in the Sea Student, oh, God, and The yeah. Old Man in the Key. Three, uh, and all within like five years, ah! too. Uh, come that, on, come on, guys. Yeah. Yeah, but listening to the commentary, I didn't realize this. They said that the names of the episodes were more for the writers to know which what episode was which because they would just have the production codes. It took them a while to get used to fans knowing the episodes <laughs> by the names. I think by this point, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein would at least know these would be on the internet because all of the previous titles in like seasons one to five were like Homer the blank, Bart the blank, Marge <laughs> does this, Lisa does this. This episode writing directing team is a major one because you have John Swartzwelder who has more writing by credits than any other writer in Simpsons history. Though maybe Matt Selman has passed him now, but I don't respect that. But (laughs) and then you have Mark Kirkland as the director who has directed more episodes of The Simpsons than anybody. So you have them teaming up for an episode. So John Swartzwelder also wrote Whacking Day, Mm -hmm. and that won a Genesis Award. Pitched by George Meyer, not his idea. Uh, You know, Swartzwelder is a libertarian. I don't think he's an environmentalist at all. Mm -hmm. And this episode was pitched by David X. Cohen and Swartzwelder write it, and it won another award, an Environmental Media Award. So he probably just, like, melted it. I think in both those cases, it was the writers (laughs) trolling John Swartzwelder to be like, Oh, you hate the environment? Well, we gave you the environmentalism episode. And also, 
as we found out from Mike Reese's book, John Schwartzwelder doesn't often write jokes for Lisa and Marge and just kind of forgets them. So like, okay, then this is an environmentalism episode <laughs> starring Lisa. Go for it, John. I guess, I mean, I love this episode, but I think the Environmental Media Awards were desperate that year for anything mm-hmm. because there's no message other than pollution is bad and (laughs) being like mr burns is bad there's nothing deeper than that and it's also saying oh uh and also uh you know environmentalism is a lot of work and not fun i think with those awards it's mainly you just go with the most famous thing to get the award not really the most impactful well this episode starts out with some rooting around in the trash Conclusion of Colonel Dracula joins the Navy. Uh, Colonel? (laughs) Lisa, what in the heck are you doing? Oh, it's for my junior achievers club. We're trying to earn money by recycling. Well, recycling is useless, Lise. Once the sun burns out, this planet is doomed. (laughs) You're just making sure we spend our last days using inferior products. Well, I think it's a great (laughs) idea. Mom, Mom, you're mixing polyethylene with polyurethane. Merch! <laughs> well, I'm sorry. And you have to cut these up first. Otherwise, animals get caught in them. Only the stupid ones. All of the dissenting voices against recycling, I feel, are just John Schwartzwelder's actual opinions. I think so, yeah. yeah. I love the cynicism here. Basically, it's almost a parody of people that you hear about recycling. It's one of the reasons I like this episode. I'm very glad you chose it because my mum was really into recycling. She's the first person to introduce me because she is a hippie, vegan, Buddhist, whatever. <laughs> um, she still eats fish. It was. It's cool to see this this type of thing where she's like, it's really important. And you're like, and Bart's, Bart's line is very dear to me because I have heard many people say things like that non-ironically and mean it. Oh, what's the point? We're all going to die anyway. Well, we're recording this after a bunch of scientists decided that we only have, what, a good 12 years left? They of, say 2040, uh, we're kind of fucked. If yeah. you can't change it by then, it's over. That's what the UN just said. I'm I cashing think. in my chips. Godspeed to everyone with, with uh, new children. I'm by the kind way. of with Bart, too. I'm just like, <laughs> you know what? Let's just have nice products. Who cares? It's a hell of a toboggan ride. <laughs> And uh, yeah, no, Lisa is really cast as quite a scold here, but I mean, she is correct. You want this to be recycled properly, but it's also what happens to Marge here is why some people don't like recycling is because all they, they think that they're helping, like Marge thinks she's helping, and then they're told, no, you're doing it wrong. And then Marge's like, come on. I feel so much pressure right. when I'm in front of the three trash cans at a restaurant and mm. there's compost, there's recycling, there's landfill, there's often a fourth one, the <laughs> mystery can. I don't want to mess up. And then I look in there and I say, oh, well, no one followed any of the rules. So Right. And you have to check the thing that you're eating and going, oh, wait, wait, is, is this recyclable? <laughs> Like, yeah, the, the mental image that you'll put it in the bin and then it just goes along in the pack. It's like, oh, we could recycle all the. Oh, no, wait. Somebody put the wrong thing in, right? It can also be thrown out and turned to slurry. <laughs> and we get a special mention of the six packs rings, which were in the 70s was when that i looked up a good history on the history of six packs rings as pollution in the 70s they were a major major thing because everybody in america at least they were when they get a six pack of beer cola it's so conveniently kept together in those little plastic wraps on top and they were not very degradable at all like they never fell apart since 
1994 in America, at least the EPA regulations say they have to be at least degradable to a certain level so they don't just stay together forever. But you're still going to choke wildlife with it before it degrades. Uh, though, according to a t- September 2018 National Geographic article, sick pack rings aren't as big a part of ocean garbage as they used to be. You should still cut them up. Plastic star- straws are the new uh, big enemy of ocean oh waste. Oh my God, I'm drinking from a straw right now! <laughs> Though, though apparently, the, to. apparently the worst part of ocean garbage right now, the most tonnage of plastic comes from cigarette butts. That's, that is the biggest one right now. That's pretty disgusting. <laughs> I, I think that a lot of places I go to now replace their straws with paper straws, and they're fine, and I say go for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think uh, straws are also a big thing for people with disabilities, so you know, yeah. don't get rid of straws completely because some people need straws to drink, <laughs> and drinking is essential for life. But yeah, paper straws, that's my soapbox for this episode. <laughs> It's not a plastic soapbox. And <laughs> appreciate uh, listening to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast makes me appreciate the very opening line of uh, Colonel Dracula joins the Navy. I love Even that. More- yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of that podcast too. And if that was a real movie, he would know every line. He would have a 94 year old man who was in the movie on his podcast. Yeah, that's exactly what the podcast is. I I love that. You are in. Colonel I remember. <laughs> I I love that opening joke too. It reminds me of in Bart gets an F when Homer and Bart watch the all the ape movies together. <laughs> right. It's it's just a great it, I like a nice moment of Bart and Homer having a good time together. And so the idea that they'd stay up all night on like a Friday night and fall asleep on the couch couch watching terrible movies that's heartwarming to me there's I lots like of that. dipping into earlier simpsons moments on this episode and we'll get oh, into yeah. more of them later now homer should really be like sell those to those books to a bookstore or to the library that's the better place to recycle them but i love his reserved laughter of like i'm destroyed books <laughs> it's a good joke i'm surprised lisa let that slide though him throwing away all of those books that she would probably love yeah yeah if you look at it that that's a bit bad he's like he's he's binning the books he's he's half a nazi but <laughs> it's all right to recycling and even better we talk about like it is a very cynical look at recycling and also the views against recycling so i think it's pretty that they're looking at both sides of the spectrum making fun of them but again lisa say it's not supposed to be fun yeah <laughs> again like every man oh, okay i'll try and make the most of this it's like no it's not fun. it's very it's not serious. supposed to be fun how dare you <laughs> you know i had forgotten skinner's small part in this episode is is so great i these are some classic skinner nerdyisms here especially this his first line here is one of my favorites all oh, right what a load of garbage i'm ecstatic <laughs> i feel like they, they cut to the load of garbage too quickly though mm-hmm. in that in that shot i do i do like the joke and they're saving up for a trip to albany i want to say that skinner wants to actually see if steam hams are real <laughs> and they are real yeah i also love those boring pro business posters behind him like i'm high on capitalism mm-hmm. <laughs> they're great aren't they just yeah. everything about it <laughs> and that is just the entrepreneurs club it's such a nice lame thing that skinner would be into he's like i need to inspire these kids into entrepreneurialism they need it but with a very boring business plan <laughs> yeah. just just recycling things <laughs> just recycling things and he's and just as he's ecstatic over that pile of garbage and so skinner invited burns to meet the kids too and this is a great moment too where i i love that you have Skinner's dreams of what a businessman is of just <laughs> then meeting the realities of this cruel monster that Mr. Burns is. And this is the first of many great Burns monologues in this episode. 
Now, let's give a big junior retriever's welcome to our guest speaker. I know he can teach us a lot about business, Mr. C. Montgomery Burns. Mm. I'll keep it short and sweet. Family, religion, friendship. These are the three demons you must slay if you wish to succeed in business. When opportunity knocks, you don't want to be driving to the maternity hospital or sitting in some phony baloney church or synagogue. <laughs> Questions? Well, uh, <laughs> I'm going to take advantage of this rare opportunity, even if you children aren't interested. Uh... Which do you think is more important, hard work or stick to Are there any real questions? <laughs> yes. Um, does your plant have a recycling program? Recycling? <laughs> I like how he's introduced as C. Montgomery Burns. I only noticed in this clip, I didn't mm. notice while watching the show, they rarely ever reference the fact that he is Charles Montgomery Burns <laughs> because he was just awkwardly named that in a season two episode to make it more like Citizen Kane. Yes, yeah. You're right, that is where that's from. <laughs> The only reason he has that name is because of that. He was Montgomery Burns in season one, but then they're like, no, we need it to be Charles for it to make this a better line here. And even in the show, he calls it's, himself Monty Burns. Yeah, It's just not subtle enough. <laughs> the massive backdrop and Burns font. No, we need it more obvious. Gotta be true. Who was it who said that you could probably remake Citizen Kane just with the Simpsons references alone? I think at least half of it. Yeah. I think at least half. They need to make more episodes that are just Citizen Kane parodies so they can complete it to get it up to 100%. I think we're past the point where people have seen that movie enough to uh, recognize uh. references. In the 90s, sure. <laughs> and I, Okay, so I also, quote-unquote, enjoy the light anti-Semitism with the, oh, yeah. the suspicions which he says, synagogue. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's so loaded how he says synagogue. It's just, you 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 can follow from there what yeah. Mr. Burns means. <laughs> yeah, uh. you get it. But uh, it's also you say about watching you know things from the simpsons and, and then watching the the thing it's making fun of and oh that's what that's from that was one of the reasons i watched twin peaks <laughs> it was only like was it last year two years ago wow so i go oh that's what the, oh right yes okay i've seen this show before i've seen it thanks to the simpsons it's always in a magic moment where i still think i have that even today if i watch a movie that I put off for the longest time and just didn't bother seeing, like, say, the right stuff. And then I see, I'm like, ah, okay, got it. That Simpsons reference finally clicks for me. Though at least in his anti-Semitism, he also, he says phony baloney church, too. Yeah, he just, but a synagogue is even worse. Even worse. I also just love how the kids just stare at him. They don't care. Skinner tries, I, it's a very real moment of Skinner trying to be like, well, children, my enthusiasm will lift all of you. Like, uh, so here, I'll ask a question. <laughs> and it's a very loaded question. You have to pick one of these inspirational qualities to tell the children to have. <laughs> and it stick right, to- Right, there's some very relatable things here, you know, try- Trying to have enthusiasm when no one else has is a very yeah. wonderful skin of trade. And and his questions of stick to and hard work are just like these things are meaningless to Monty Burns. Like he's just been rich for like 80 years. So he has no clue what any of this stuff he of Skinner is talking about. Same with recycling. Going into his brain, 
it feels like Bill and Josh literally opening up the thesaurus. Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein literally opening up this thesaurus that they used to find Mr. Burns isms. Yeah, and I think at that time uh, a dictionary in the writers' room was very popular, mm. and people would often draw in it when right. they were bored. And Josh Weinstein's been posting lots of pictures of the inside of that dictionary, just people ah. drawing jokes on the drawings in the in the dictionary because they couldn't just look at their phones. Nope. <laughs> in 1997, I mean they could, but. It would just have numbers on it. I was pausing that dictionary looking for more jokes. There's not a ton except for... I just saw one. Well, there's referring to... Skin, yeah, Smithers is a lackey, right? It pauses on Redskin. <laughs> yeah, so that Redskin one, that's... Uh, I'm saying that in quotes. I do not use that term. But it's it's funny that in 1997, even in Burns's Brain Dictionary, he knew that was... It's called offensive in his term book. And yet here we are 21 years later, and that still is the name of the American Washington football team. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get back to that ragamuffin line too. I just love ragamuffin, which also in Bart gets an F. Burns calls Homer a ragamuffin. <laughs> like so, this is several Bart gets an F moments in this episode. Wow. Any time they went inside someone's head in The Simpsons from season two to season nine, you know something great was coming. That's the kind of thing you can't do on even a even a good live action sitcom. You can't just vanish into a character's head and see the inside of their minds. Right, right. Herman so the medium making the most of. <laughs> that's why Herman's head was so ahead of its time <laughs> it was too smart that's why it was cancelled oh, but here is Mr. Burns just doesn't know nothing about recycling I'm afraid I'm not familiar with that term you adorable little ragamuffin <laughs> hmm. you never heard of recycling it means to reuse things to conserve our natural resources oh so mother nature needs a favor well maybe she should have thought of that when she was besetting us with droughts and floods and poison monkeys nature started the fight for survival and now she wants to quit because she's losing well i say hard cheese but nature's not our enemy <laughs> well surely you agree we can do without her no i don't agree no how dare you question mr burns well handle it smithers <laughs> Shut up, little girl. If I had spent my life listening to dismal Doras like you, I wouldn't be worth $200 million today. But according to your most recent biography, you only have $100 million today. I've... I've... <laughs> um, actually, sir, it's uh, considerably less than that. I, um, have to go. Money burns, everybody. <laughs> His incredibly outlandish proposition to Lisa that she he expects her to agree to, you think we could do without nature? Yeah. I mean, what does that even mean, number one? But I love how shocked both Burns and Smithers are. Well, that shows you how insulated from reality Burns has become as a rich guy. He Even hearing a disagreement is just like he can't take it. He's like, what? Do you get to see how Smithers constantly protects him from any type of reality or someone disagreeing with him? We also see a revised edition I'm taking it of Will There Ever Be a Rainbow that from was, Blood Feud. I love that. Yeah. I loved seeing that. According to your most recent autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> like, when you pause yeah. and look at that, you're like, wait, wait a minute. Of course, it even fits the character because, of course, Lisa would do research on the person who's going for a guest host, the Junior Achievers Club, because yeah. she's Lisa. <laughs> she would read an entire autobiography about Burns for sure. Yeah, and only that. your most your most recent one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did he write one in the seventies too? Well, and this he had to update it. He's been a lot. I mean, how many autobiographies does Bruce Campbell have? He's not even sixty. Yeah, that's true. Uh, 
Will there ever be a chin? <laughs> <laughs> well, also the ever be a rainbow callback. It it also feels like the hundred million valuation also feels like almost a reference back because that was the amount of money he sold the plant for from the Germans. That's right. Oh, that's what I wanted oh, to reference, yeah. actually. That and also this is 97 and 20 plus years later, our modern robber baron tyrants are so much richer. Like <laughs> we assume that $200 million was a lot of money and it is. But boy, like Mr. Burns would not be invited to a Jeff Bezos party. Yeah. Doing whatever he does with like the lizard people he creates <laughs> for sexual purposes, I gather. Now, 100 million is pretty low. Well, it's also interesting. I look, I so I did a little Frankiac research too of when is Mr. Burns called a billionaire officially because he's not a billionaire in this episode. And so he, the next time he is officially called a billionaire and he keeps referring to himself as a billionaire is in season 10's Monty Can't Buy Me Love, the Loch Ness Monster episode. Okay, and there's a Richard Branson, is that his name parody? Yes, yeah. he's the, the Richard Branson Virgin Megastore episode opening that's connected to that one. Though he was also called a billionaire in season five's Lady Bouvier's Lover. Mm. So he sometimes was a billionaire. That's the only other time he was referred to as a billionaire. This, it reminds me of how in the 90s as I grew up, I got to see them stop calling Bruce Wayne a millionaire and call him a billionaire <laughs> because like millionaires just not rich enough anymore for a Batman type secret identity. It's like when they changed the amount of people served on the McDonald's sign. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Billions. Well, isn't it an American billion? It's different to a million <laughs> elsewhere in the world, or it used to be. This is a thing I read as a kid. I'm not sure it was one of those really? incredibly outdated terms. So maybe we'll work this Mr. Burns episode where it was like a hundred million used to be a billion, but then it's a thousand million elsewhere mm. in the world. So I didn't, maybe I, it depended yeah. on what part of the, the hemisphere he was in. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. For, I mean, for us, it is a thousand million though, right? It's like, oh, maybe, you, maybe you guys change after people complain. <laughs> or maybe I'm talking complete and utter crap. People were just getting too rich. We had to add another zero. <laughs> we resisted the metric system for that long though. But, uh, uh, but so here's Burns looking at his stocks. I also, there are some really great, great jokes in this oh, bit here. They come so fast. Hmm. Confederated slave holdings. How's that doing? <laughs> it's, uh, uh, steady. Steady. <laughs> I'm sure all your stocks are doing well, sir. After all, you chose them. <laughs> mm -hmm. mm. Well, let's get out the old stock ticker and have a look. Eh. Here's where I stopped checking it last time. September 1929. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Smithers, why didn't you tell me about this market crash? Um, well, sir, it happened 25 years before I was born. Oh, that's your excuse for everything. I've got to do something to get my money back quickly. This calls for an aggressive trading strategy. Good idea, sir. <laughs> Take 50% of my money and put it in the blue chips. Transatlantic Zeppelin, amalgamated spats, congreves, and flammable powders, U.S. hay, and sink the rest into that up-and-coming Baltimore Opera Hat Company. <laughs> that should set things right again, eh, boys? Absolutely. Oh, yes, sir. King uh, hay all the way. Can't go wrong with congreves. <laughs> <clears throat> So you can't go wrong with Congreves. That's the one thing I wanted to look up for this yeah, episode. What is that? Uh, Congreves inflammable powder is presumably used in the Congreve rocket, which was a rocket made and used by the British military in the early 19th century. I looked it up and I wow. read about it, and I don't believe it was used beyond like the 1870s. Uh, and it was used in British military conquest. It was an early form of a rocket weapon. Wow. So, yeah. And they would be made out of iron. They, I think they were first made out of, out of cardboard, but then they would be made out of iron and um, iron. Iron. How do you say that word? <laughs> iron butterfly. Iron butterfly. <laughs> uh, but yes, that is the one super, super deep reference. Uh, and I knew it was a reference to something the first time I had to look it up uh, for this show. And yes, Congreve's inflammable powders. 
U.S. Hay. The Zeppelin blimp. I, mean, I, I get that. I think a lot yeah. of most people would get that one. But yeah, the rest of them, I mean, there's one negative of this episode, and God, I hate saying that, but just to be fair, yeah, there is a lot of ye olde Mr. Burns' old ancient <laughs> stuff. So that is, that if is you a... know your stuff, it's great. But if not, it's just like, it might as well just play the piano music <laughs> and his Malcolm move. <laughs> that is my favorite stuff of this episode, though. And I love Harry Shearer's excited reading and the great pause, U.S. Hey. Yeah. Yes. Hey. That's, U.S. Hey is my favorite, I think, because... It reminds me of Allied Biscuit. Yeah. yeah. But the, uh, what I love about it is that mostly the feeling in the 90s was... The Simpsons did a ton of jokes about this, like, made in USA. No, thank you. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't invest in American production of anything. So then, if he's going to invest in anything u.s then that is a bad idea stock wise and then hey of all things hey i just got that u.s hey is a pun it's yeah. a pun <laughs> yeah yeah that's good you, i like it um, US whoa, hey. you, not usa usa US hey. wow yeah. i never got that wow oh, we're, we're okay yeah. exploring so much <laughs> this we is great about, this i'm learning <laughs> we learned about congreves and u.s hey and confederate hey the, the wall street crash of 1929 yeah yeah and that's his confederated slave holdings that's so great that he he still owned that. <laughs> he still owned that in the 20s it was wrong to own that in the 20s but he he didn't seem to even know that was wrong and just how his yes men have to be like uh it's good i mean i guess even if he is 104 at this point slavery did end before he was born well, I see it as an international slave holding. Uh, but in the 20s, perhaps in some territories, it was still legal. And he it was a normal business for a businessman to own. Uh, well, he's not too picky about where he gets his money from. I mean, he, him and Schindler, they both made shells the Nazis. But his work, damn it. That's right. <laughs> He's he doesn't really care, Burns. He's he's pretty amoral in in all respects. That stock ticker joke too. I guess that puts uh, that puts Smithers at forty three in this, since he says yeah. if it's ninety seven anyway, he'd be born in forty five, forty four. Yeah. Okay. Oh wait, no, then that would put him at fifty three. Yeah. This episode here. You're right. Yes. Troy McClure was wrong. He's not in his 40s. It's 1929. Okay. Stock crash. So then 25 years after that would be 1954. Okay. We're learning how to do math on the air live together. So he would be 43. Yes, we did it. We got got through basic math, everybody. (laughs) Woo! The Simpsons will be right back. We hope you little ragamuffins out there are enjoying this week's episode, and we super-duper thank Mafu for doing this week's episode. We've been trying to get on the host of Botchmania for so long, and I'm so happy that we pulled it off. And if you're a fan of this podcast and would like to hear next week's episode a week ahead of time and ad-free, you should join the Talking Simpsons Network at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. But you'll get so much more than just that. If you sign up today, you will get access to every episode of What a Cartoon a Week Early and Ad-Free. That is our our sister podcast where we talk about a different animated series each week in the Talking Simpsons style. Shows like that in the animated series, Steven Universe, Robotech, a very diverse lineup of shows. 
Plus, we have a ton of exclusive interviews on there. If you'd like to hear a ton of Simpsons secrets from folks who had worked on the show since the very beginning, like David Silverman, Mike Reese, Mark Kirkland, Bill Oakley, and so many more, you need to sign up today. And also, if you like The Critic, the sister show to The Simpsons, we did the whole series, The Critic, as its own podcast talking critic in this same style. And the same goes for the first season of Futurama. All of that's available there, right there at patreon.com slash talking simpsons we have so many podcasts you can enjoy right now you want to sign up today so have at it folks once more that's patreon.com slash talking simpsons Simplify, man. And by that, I mean at the holiday season, you should get yourself a Talking Simpsons t-shirt. Right now, Talking Simpsons has two special t-shirts available at shirtsickle.com. Like popsicle, but with the word shirt. Or you can go to tiny.cc slash talking shirt. And you can see our two t-shirts, both designed by the amazing Nina Matsumoto, our artist friend. One is in the style of the Ion Springfield logo. And the other is a tribute to our amazing death jingle, both of those available $19.99 ships somewhat internationally tax and shipping all that included they are great gifts both for yourself or for others so check it out at shirtsickle.com or at tiny.cc slash talking shirt I love those yes men too because they. This was this is what happens with so many executives. This is the Henry and Bob complain about old executives. Yeah, scene. but this is what happens with executives and a lot of businesses that they they don't want to hear bad news. It's not that they search. I don't think even they search out naturally yes men to always agree with them. But they certainly don't want to be told no. They don't want to be told no, or that an idea is bad. So then you end up with a bunch of yes men who are only going to tell you that you're making the right moves. And any boss that tells you they want the truth or honesty, they're full of bullshit. We had one of those <laughs> and it was like, I'm a no bullshit boss. I'm a straight shooter. You know, you can tell me anything. Well, you're making a lot of mistakes. How dare you? How dare you? I'll put you in your place. <laughs> Come to my office. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's um, the simile of the great and powerful beast. I believe God's a long time stood them philosophy. Was it? You know what? I won't even guess because I'll get one of them wrong. <laughs> but yeah, it was the, the politician's way of dealing with the public that was criticized by philosophers thousands of years ago saying, well, you just want to give them what they want because they're a great and powerful beast. So the great and powerful beast wants chocolate all the time. You're going to give them chocolate, even if it could really do with some, you know, vegetables and water. <laughs> so mm. I want chocolate. Oh, all right. Well, I'll just give you what you want then. Even <laughs> if it's going to be bad for you. And I think I love it. There's so much in this thing. Um, <laughs> when I was a kid, I was at, uh, doing an English lit. My uh, teacher was very well spoken. I did theater. was doing World War I uh, poetry and stuff like that. And he was there going like, one day they will do, they will study The Simpsons. The, the amount of Americana and literature you can get in 30 minutes. And God damn, he was right. <laughs> Doing it now. <laughs> Speaking of high-minded references, we've got a Dickensian one here oh, in the next right. scene with uh, Uriah's Heap, which is a reference to 
the uh, Charles Dickens villain Uriah Heep, who was uh, quite a bad. I haven't read that book. I, I haven't read it either. Before we move on, though, I thought oh, I thought one... it was the Bund because he's uh, a hippie. Oh, that that yeah. Uh, before we move on, I thought of another another season two three pull. Ooh. The the panel of useless yes men is a very season two and three Ooh. sort of idea where they'd usually be like Harvard yes men. Like if you Ooh. thought about um, yeah. Powell Motors, <laughs> you know, like we want to hear what you have to say, sir. You yeah. know. So if you want to see the yes men problem in action, I recommend everyone go out and look up the uh, episode one documentary for Star Wars. George Lucas is Mr. Burns, and the <laughs> yes men are everyone working with him. He's like, so I think this Jar Jar thing is pretty cool, huh? And they're like, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's really yes, good. Yes. He's really cool. I like Jar-Jar. him. <laughs> Everybody loves this guy. It's so uncomfortable watching those clips from that of just seeing the people just looking at their shoes and just going like, mm-hmm. they're like, he's just making all this up on the spot. <laughs> all right, but the next scene involves a, uh, a wonderful hippie surrounded by trash. A half ton of newspaper and all we get is 75 cents? <laughs> that won't even cover the gas I used to go to the store to buy the twine to tie up the bundles. It sounds like you're working for your car. Simplify, man. Oh, well. <laughs> Sorry, kids. The trip to Albany is off, and there's to be no more recycling. <laughs> but we didn't do that badly. We collected enough paper to save one whole tree. <laughs> I think that mommy is from Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie Show. Yeah, in, in season eight, that mommy and crying is kind of Ralph's catchphrase <laughs> this year. I just love his confusion. Anytime Ralph is confused, he just goes, mommy. And Miss Hoover isn't there. <laughs> it's always good seeing uh, Skinner like very motivated and something happens. Like, well, get all the, the check for the school and he's given one eraser. <laughs> yeah, one I eraser? The, I was in Dog of Death with yeah, the lottery. I, I <laughs> love that. I love angry. I love actual angry Skinner. <laughs> I bet it now. My server. <laughs> and also, yeah, Arias Heap. So obviously, yeah, he's a hippie. It's a, it's a good pun. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if you said that before, but the, just go to some side of the break. I've not read David Copperfield, <laughs> but I do know my hippie music. And uh, yeah, I like on the audio commentary, they were talking about how the character is based on Dennis Hopper's character from Apocalypse Now. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> That's a good Hopper uh, imitation. Yeah. And again, this scene is really selling uh, in this in this universe, the futility of recycling. We yeah. could save one whole tree with an entire car's worth of newspapers. Obviously, the joke is you get n- you don't get any money for recycling newspaper. And it's not a great amount, but... It's not as low. It's a comical amount in this episode. According to the a 2016 article, for a ton of newspapers, you will get 50 to $75. So I see. Enough to pay for the gas and the twine and the bundles, but uh, not still not money. Not th- good money at all. I think cans and bottles are more lucrative, and that's why I see. So these people aren't homeless, but when I moved out here, I noticed this phenomenon of really tiny old ladies who they just collect cans and bottles all day. Mm-hmm. They're not homeless people. They just, well, I guess I'll just do this. Yep. So, you know, keep yourself busy. When I went to Germany, they said that they give money. I'm sure it's a government thing or some sort of uh, state thing over there. But there are people that would ride the trains, wouldn't go with money, but they would just pick up enough cans and trash to get the money there. And that's how they get to places. Wow. Man, that's a great way to clean your trains. Man, that is smart. So speaking of the recycling theme is this episode, um, what's it like recycling in America? Because just watching from TV shows and films, there's obviously stuff like this where people are incredibly cynical of the idea of it. I mean, is it easy for you guys or are people like, <laughs> right, recycling, schmeichling? Well, we live oh, in a very so horrible. I do apologize. <laughs> we live in a very liberal part of the country, uh, so you have to. Re- I mean, you don't have to, but there's the opportunity to recycle everywhere. Every restaurant has a recycling bin. Uh, where I'm from. 
and it's a less enlightened place. We tried recycling for about a decade, but then no one was doing it, so the recycling program was recalled. There was no mm. more recycling. There was no more <laughs> oh. leaving your recycling at. Just like, ah, just throw it in the garbage. Who cares? In Berkeley, California, yeah, it's pretty it, it, pretty pro-recycling. You have a lot of... Most like restaurants have multiple trash cans for trash, recycling, and compost. And you can throw out compost here, too. Where I grew up in suburban Florida, there were recycling programs, but also... I think in America, there's always, there's at least always some political element of going like, recycling doesn't matter. Why are we wasted money? You're, this is just hippie bullshit to hurt businesses. Like that, there, there, and there is definitely still that feeling now in, in America. But there's still recycling programs. I think it's usually implemented more on a local and state level, though, than on a mm, national yeah. level. How, how is it in England? More and more places are having it where one week will be the recycling and the next will be normal rubbish. So <laughs> basically, you'd better recycle or your bin is going to be full as fuck. <laughs> ah, I like the idea of punishing people. It's a good punishment. It's the only way to make it work. <laughs> yeah, so many people are really motivated to recycle. The Kirkland and his team, they do a great job here so many great animation moments i i also love the just the speed at which skinner not only just pulls out and knocks up down a tree but also he just throws there's no comment on it but he throws away the check like it's not even worth <laughs> cashing that check for 75 cents i wish skinner would come back in this episode <laughs> yeah i do kind of miss him after this he's so funny but uh then we get uh, burns at probably his most pitiful are you saying my money's all gone Mm-hmm. But I made all the right moves, didn't yes, I? Oh, yes, yeah, sir. Every move, a right one. <laughs> I see it all now. You're just a bunch of yes men. I was making the wrong moves, and you were too gutless to tell me. Isn't that right? Yes, oh, yes, yes sir. Right answer. Then I'll fix this myself. <laughs> Smithers, take out another mortgage on the plant. Well, the bank has already foreclosed on the plant. And your house, sir. But what will I do? Well first thing you'll have to do is move out of the bank's house i'll help you pack (laughs) they really make you feel for burns yeah he's i like that smithers is mixed in with the yes men because he does naturally become a yes man but not because it's his job but because he loves mr burns so much he can't he just wants to please him he can't tell him bad information until it's too late and like literally too late and like no you have no plant or house anymore mr burns this is gone like there's yeah, no- and it's such a because he's, he's that obsessed with him yeah it's like oh oh yeah i, I meant to tell you <laughs> <laughs> have to move Both your house and the plant are gone now it's the bank's <laughs> house now yeah. first thing you have to do is move out of the bank's house like that's he, he thinks he's being helpful but it's also just so cruel and just like well it's the bank's house now it's not your house anymore and this is really reusing uh, some early ideas on the simpsons where in seasons two and three burns did lose the plant or at least was threatened so mm-hmm. i believe in the one where he runs for governor it started with him losing the plant potentially right it was that it would cost a hundred million dollars to fix the plant right and, or i think it was like in the 80 million range i remember him getting drunk and singing brother can you spare a dime and then for some reason that never by the end of the episode they kind of forgot that that was That's why right. he wanted to be governor but who, it was a great episode. and then burns verkoff and craft work was he did lose the plant mm. but i think he happily sold it off to well, just he, you know he sold it he bought it back from the germans at oh, a fraction of what he we paid you <laughs> as the best the germans should have taken over again not Lenny. Yeah. Not Lenny. <laughs> yeah. And another great moment here is it's not often you see the moments where, when you do get them in The Simpsons when they're at the peak. It really does shine. The bit here where I, he's leading Mr. Burns away 
like from his place to the door and the lawyers are just watching him as he goes past like they're not even human and he's yeah the shots him going like further and further away out with shots with small and smaller so it's basically his world is now empty is it's a quite beautiful bit of cinematography or yeah. who's on set if you mm -hmm. will for the simpsons and again when they do it there's a bit later on in the episode as well where you don't i don't think you appreciate it unless you're a nerdy bastard that did film and media and got a bit of honors in it but when you go back and realize you go that is a really good shot yeah it's, it's really played for emotion too yeah it's it's moments like this that make you really see the difference between a a great simpsons episode and a lesser one or just a lesser animated series that moment could play out a million different ways but it's the the posing of the characters and the angles of the shot that really that really go to this the theme they're trying to express here and in this case it is that mr burns is like he's diminished so much it's just it's over for mr burns and uh, okay so now we get into our big time guest yeah brett the hitman heart and I'm sure a pro wrestler such as yourself will appreciate all the closet space, Hitman. <laughs> Ooh, this place has got old man stink. Ooh. Oh, don't listen to him, sir. You've got an enchanting musk. And you wouldn't even be the only wrestler in the neighborhood. The Shrieking Sheik lives just three doors away. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll take it. Uh, would it... Be all right if I kept this portrait to remind me of better times. Why would I want a picture of a pitiful pencil neck geek? Yeah, boy, indeed. <laughs> Aww. It's great that they actually got Bret Hart, but this sounds a lot like Hank Azaria. They could have just had Hank Azaria do it. It's not him, obviously, but it's just like, wow, that sounds a lot like Hank Azaria. Right, right, right. Here's my Bret Hart story. So I asked Bret Hart, and I was very happy to ask him. Again, good as Jesus, as fast as Sonic the Hedgehog to me as a kid, um, <laughs> in Newcastle. So, Brett, what was it like doing The Simpsons? And he went, oh, great. He suddenly lit up like, great. None of a question about the fucking screw job. So, <laughs> so happy he was. And he started going on going, yeah, he went in to do it. And the character was just a generic wrestler, according to him. And so he went and did it. And because it wasn't going to be him, he doesn't use his, his normal voice or his wrestling voice or whatever. So even there, that line... Wow, what I want. Yeah, it is like, wait, why are you talking like an American like hillbilly type? Where, where's that from? I want the title, HBK. It's like, well, that's not pretty hard. Um, so his story was he went and did it and say, like, all right, great. And then when he was waiting for the limo to come pick him up, uh, people had heard in the studios that Bret Hart was there. So lots of people came out with stuff to sign or like, oh my God, Brett, can I got a photo. So who was in charge of doing the uh, voice acting at the time was like, oh my God, I, I had no idea you were, you know, popular. <laughs> You know, spoke like a real non-wrestling fan. It's like, wow, I had no idea people knew who you were, Mr. <laughs> Guest Host. And uh, so they said, well, we're going to get the character changed so it looks just like you. So you'll be Bret Hart rather than Jerry wrestler, rather than the Iron Yuppie. And probably Bret Hart was like, oh, that, that's great, but I've just done it and it sounds nothing like me. So, <laughs> and even in the audio commentary, they go, they are, it's Bret Hart that's doing it. They go, really? Is it, It's not just Tank Azaria doing an impression <laughs> of a wrestler? It's like, yeah, because it, it, it doesn't sound that much like Bret Hart, but obviously it is Bret Hart. Yeah. So. It's it's very uh, yeah. it it was always it, even when I never knew that backstory and just saw that first scene of it in '97. That's really an it's especially pencil neck geek is such like a '50s heel line. It's Bret Hart would never say even when he's in heel mode he would never call somebody that. So yeah, it, obviously it, referencing the Fred Blassie song yes. pencil neck geek, which is a very old wrestling thing. You're right, Henry. Wow. <laughs> 
I, I hate to say that Bret Hart would be better if he wasn't in this episode, but I think actually with this reading, it would have been funnier as the Iron Yuppie, you know, just the, <laughs> the fictional. And it would also be a deep Simpsons reference, too. Yeah. To season two, right? Yeah. It was uh, Bart the Daredevil. And they'll both be unmasked and killed in the ring. <laughs> Now I That's it. Only one of them could appear because then clearly he's won that match. He's, he was so successful from that one match, he can now buy Mr. Burns' mansion. While the other one's dead. I love that story though. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's I think it's un I you know, so here's my theory on how they ended up with Brett there is that like on a casting side, so they recorded this in nineteen ninety six, and in nineteen ninety six, as any Bret Hart super fan will know. Of course. <laughs> he was trying to extend his work into real acting. Like I believe he was on the television series version, not the miniseries, the television series Lonesome Dove. For like yes, he was <laughs> for very short scenes, but that would have got him an acting agent. So I think it's possible that they would be like, "Well, if this guy is acting now, let's hire an acting wrestler." Even though they have no clue. Also, like 1996, when they would have cast him, NWO was the hottest thing in the world. WCW was WWF. Meanwhile, which Brett was the poster boy of, was at a real low point, and so he might not have been as he definitely wasn't known to guys like Simpsons writers as they would have known, say, Hulk Hogan a generation previous. Mm. Right, as you said there, well, well, well said by a wrestling fan. Yeah, it is weird in the context of wrestling at the time that Bret Hart was chosen because <laughs> WF was on the upswing at that point, but was still absolutely number two behind WCW. So it's almost like, oh, well done, Simpsons. You finally have a wrestler, <laughs> and it's the, not the most successful one at the time. Great. Yeah, the the champ on the other channel on this. And also, so I, I reopened up the copy of Bret Hart's biography, which I hadn't read in a long time. That book is so fucking long. It's <laughs> the longest wrestler biography I've ever read. Though, I mean, Bret, Bret has an amazing career, and he took very good notes of his life so hey share it but uh though in that entire book which is almost 600 pages long wow there are three pages about this in there and none of that story that that he's now sharing the the only interesting bit in it is that he said it took him five minutes to record his three lines and that he did it the trip to la to record it september 25th 1996 which is also the first time he met in person with eric bischoff to negotiate going to wcw hmm. so in a way the that's Sim right i forgot yeah. about that god you're good at this <laughs> so so in a way the simpsons kind of helped speed up his exit to wcw wow. by paying for his flight to la to record and then also have a meeting with eric bischoff but that's really the wow. the only other times the simpsons is referenced in his book is when he's telling a story about how him and his brother owen thought they were lost at sea and then he tried to joke with him like hey it's like in that episode of the simpsons where bart and homer and the flanders and the flanders get lost at sea oh that's cute <laughs> i like it so no I one's like i didn't see that episode and brett's like oh we're gonna die <laughs> <laughs> and actually though brett brett is more fun than he comes off as he is a grumpy old man he is that too but he has more fun than you would think and I think it's unfortunate that he is now known as like the old crank of wrestling just because he that's what he's kind of aged into. And also that he has lost everyone in his life and Aww. all of his. Well, he's he's a happily married man. I don't want to say he's like a depressing dude. And I was reading his Wikipedia entry. He's got like 35 brothers or yes, probably yeah. down to like 34 now. But oh, he comes well, from a very large family. He doesn't speak to any of them. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. he's. Well, Matthew said like he's 
if a brother is still alive, they probably had a falling out over something. Aww, and uh, like yeah, you're right. It's a shame Brad has been painted with this brush that he's this miserable bastard that just talks about how everything went wrong. But at the same time, you have to empathize with him. Every interview he's done for the past 20 years has been... What was it like when you got screwed? What was it like when your brother died? What was it like when you got kicked in the head by Goldberg? <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's, he had this constantly, and then people, go, oh, Bret Hart is always on about the screw job. I was, he's <laughs> always asked about it. Uh, I think Neil Armstrong wasn't asked about the moon as much as okay, Bret Hart's been asked about this Montreal screw job. So it's a shame when so that's why I was very glad to ask him. Like, hey, Bret, here's something happy. You know, answer yeah. this question. You know, uh, someone yeah. else says, what was it like? You know, do you still hate Shawn Michaels? I'd be like, I'd be like, do you still watch New Simpsons? That probably would have been my, that. Talking about over the edge of ninety nine would have made him cry. But what do you think of New Simpsons? That would have made him cry. <laughs> uh, last thing about Brett and the Simpsons is uh, in twenty seventeen he actually made a cute little silly video. Oh, cool! Talking about his time on the Simpsons. Yes, he did. Uh, I'll, let me play it right here for you. Hey, Brock Lesnar, you got one of these? What about you, Ric Flair? Oh yeah, I forgot. You weren't even on Simpsons. Bet you don't have one of these bad boys either. <laughs> Show me the Simpsons. Why would I want a picture of a pitiful pencil neck geek? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> don't feel sorry for him. <laughs> Clearly Canadian, very Canadian. Doesn't feel sorry. Oh, only Brett and his promo voice. Yeah, well, but you, Flair. Oh, yeah, you were never on The Simpsons. <laughs> love I, you, Brett. Love you. I Brett. love that. That's such a great moment. <laughs> I there weren't many other um, wrestlers in animated shows. I know Steve Austin made an appearance on Dilbert. I was going to say, yeah, that's yeah. the one I know, like, Dilbert. Arsenic and licorice. Jesus. <laughs> and way later in The King of the Hill, like 10 years after this, Macho Man Randy Savage will be on. Oh, that's King a great of the episode. Hill. That's right. Yeah. Where Bill gets no buff. Agony, yeah. No bragging. Yeah. Oh man, God. It, though it's pretty, it's still pretty rare. Like you would think they would get used more because so many pro wrestlers are they are defined by their voices. Like even one that bugs me too is like they just did a whole anime that is the wrestling. It was Tiger Mask, the new Tiger Mask anime, and they barely even had any. Even though they had the real wrestlers from New Japan in there, they barely had any of them do their own voices. It's just uh, it's an odd choice. I I never really understand it. But that so. That's the Bret Hart oh, And also, oh, yeah. uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin listed in the credits to uh, The Poke of Zorro as Time Traveler number one. What? <laughs> oh, my that's God. That's great. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Really quick. Here oh, come yeah. the ninjas. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Burns is out, and it's Lenny's time to shine. Ooh. I normally awesome. don't laugh at other people's misfortunes, but on behalf of the recycling community, ha! Couldn't happen to anyone more deserving. They're not going to close the plant, are they? Oh, the bank put Lenny in charge. Ah, <laughs> uh, attention, everybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, work harder. Bye. Uh, <laughs> I like Lenny as a boss. It's it's what you would think if you were handed the reins at the place you work at. <laughs> like, like uh, what do I do? Um, work harder. Bye. <laughs> it's just. It's- it's a little bad. It's, it's the great idea of the person at that level in business. It's like, well, what would I be as a boss? I'd just be me in a boss position. <laughs> That's all it requires. Anyone can do the boss position. That's why I should be in. He's immediately confident after saying that too. He's like, yep, I did my job. <laughs> Crack my knuckles and lean back. 
And I'm with Lisa. I like celebrating the downfall of an evil rich person. It's it's. <laughs> we shouldn't. Va- I mean, we don't value Schadenfreude enough mm. in this country. It's so good. <laughs> so we cut to Smithers' apartment. Is this the first time we've seen the Malibu Stacy apartment in a while? It's been a while. Yeah, I think it might have been where Lisa visits him was the last time we saw his apartment. Okay, yeah. We'll Season see, five. We'll see it again in the trouble with trillions, but. Uh, yeah, this and I like they even draw in his shelf of Malibu Stacy's in in the background too. But Burns is so cute in his button down shirt and it's <laughs> just like is just domestic. And that it shows too. I wonder if Smithers is like, well, at least Mr. Burns has moved in with me. Like, I wonder if he's at least excited about that. It's probably an upgrade for Smithers. Yeah, yeah. He can keep his Burns love inside the house too. <laughs> You'd think there'd be some with like. You know, ho ho, finally, I've got the man I want, but he's that focused on him. He's that devoted. You know, he's like, no, 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 don't do anything. Just stay here and maintain your dignity. (laughs) Maintain your dignity. Yeah, don't move. It's so sad. Though, Though, also knowing that Smithers is having like, he has a relationship with John, the uh, the only other gay man in Springfield. Not no more, he don't. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I wonder if this is getting in the way of his like outside of Burns dating life too, having having Burns at home all the time. Or there could have been a funny bit where Smithers hides all of his gay paraphernalia and things <laughs> from Mr. Burns. Though maybe Mr. Burns wouldn't even get it, perhaps. But uh, yeah, Mr. Here's Mr. Burns trying to help out. <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh... You just stay here and maintain your dignity. (laughs) Ah, Here's a chance to win my keep. I will go out and get these items from the food jobber. (laughs) Grocery store, please. (laughs) I am riding on the bus. Hi. Aren't you that guy everybody hates? No, oh, my, no. I'm Monty Burns. I love independent Burns when mm-hmm. he decides to do things on his own. Out of my way, I'm a motorist. <laughs> but I do want to talk about the context for this whole grocery store scene. So it is a reference oh, to that, a... we say like the, the 19th possibly shot of the, the random trolley coming out of the shopping mall. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a good oh. establishing shot because it never hits anything. You're wondering what's going to happen, what's... but it never does. But... <laughs> This entire grocery store scene is a reference to an infamous moment in the President George H.W. Bush campaign of 1992 uh, when he visited an Orlando's grocers convention while on the campaign trail. And uh, it was spun by the the biased media that he was out of touch and he didn't know, you know, what the common experience of the common person was because he was amazed by this scanner, this the scanner that was scanning groceries. And scanning groceries had been put into practice since 1980. I believe that was the first introduction of scanners, scanning barcodes uh. at grocery stores. But go on to Snopes and find the truth is that he was actually being shown a new scanner that was not being put into stores yet. It was on the way. And it was a scanner that could weigh items and also read uh, torn barcodes. And he's like, oh, this is amazing. What do they think of next? Things like that. And he was really just doing small talk with, about things he didn't care about, you wow. know, because he was a politician but people took that they ran with it i'm sure there's snl sketches about it where it's like oh this old man is out of touch he doesn't even (laughs) know how a grocery store works and let me tell you he is out of touch and he always was he was from an incredibly wealthy family Mm -hmm. Uh, but that is not the reason he was out of touch 
That's man, that is some successful political maneuvering that on that messaging to just get I had always just heard it as Oh yeah, there was a one time H.W. Bush went to a grocery store and didn't know what it was and was just confused. Like, wow, yeah. I did not know that side I of mean, the story. He is the son of uh, George H.W. Bush, is the son of a Wall Street banker. I mean, the Bush family is like a, le- a rich mega monster legacy. Yeah. Like, he is out of he doesn't know how the common man lives, but it's not because he doesn't know how a grocery scanner works. He does. Wow. He just was was like, "Wow, this is so exciting. Look at this <laughs> grocery scanner. Wow." Yeah, that's exactly what this is all a parody of. And in the first draft of the script Burns was going to meet Bush in the grocery store because he still lives in Springfield. I think so. Um, but yes, so uh, that is the, what this is referencing. Burns not really understanding how groceries work. Crazy. See, I would have been a, pissed at that. Pissed like I would have been a, annoyed at this if George Bush had shown up because I'd be like, George Bush is still in Springfield. He could go literally anywhere as an ex-president. He's going to stay in the same place that had a you know a horrible experience with. He was just really there, so no one would know who he was because of low voter turnout. <laughs> Though this joke actually, he would reappear when they went to the unemployment office in season mm, nine. That's right. Yeah, it's easier every week. Oh, yeah, that, that's right. God and realty yeah. bites, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. The the final appearance of Lionel Hutz in a speaking role. Mm. Not to not to bring everybody down. It's a coming. Oh, <laughs> it's such a happy. Bret Hart got screwed. <laughs> George Bush Senior. Had to stay in Springfield, but keep a very low profile. It's all happy. I I also love the Burns's old timey way of thinking of just that, like he he thinks you don't touch dirty dishes with your hands. You you need a proper claw mm-hmm. to pick it up. It's not proper to. It's just so silly that he just gets a reaching claw. This is the first time I caught it as a joke that when he steps onto the bus, he does not pay anything. He does not pay a fare. He's just like. I'm on the bus. Thank you. And the bus driver sneers at him. He says, grocer, please. (laughs) And another of my favorite darting points for a Simpsons shit post is, hey, aren't you that guy everybody hates? (laughs) That's such a great one. I've seen it used for like everybody's least favorite character in an anime everybody's <laughs> least favorite wrestler like it's it's a great lisa yeah exactly i, I enjoy out of touch doddering burns as much as i love evil burns like mm-hmm. no i'm monty burns <laughs> Every, nobody hates me yeah. and it's it's weird in a way because he's not going around going more i'm evil i mean sometimes he doesn't previous episodes i guess but here he's it's even more terrifying i mean it's absolutely terrifying you know what i mean that he doesn't even intend on being like this. It's just mm-hmm. the way he is. He doesn't even realize he's being evil. That's it. It's out of touch. It's uh, which yeah, I think is way more scarier than him going like, I'm Skeletor or something. <laughs> it's his mentality and just out of touchness and even sociopathy later in this that really shows you how he's evil without even intending to be. I love the cereal aisle jokes. I I love a good cereal joke. It's, <laughs> but it's extra funny to me that Krusty, who should be just sent his own cereal. Instead, goes to the grocery store in full costume to buy his cereal his off cereal. the shelf. Again, being picky because the rest of the episode was so good. Y- yeah, why is Krusty by himself, dressed as Krusty, <laughs> buying his own cereal? <laughs> it's a great joke, so though. First of all, the cereal's got to have, you know, like, dead dog's heads in it or something. Because <laughs> it's a Krusty brand thing. He knows it's dog shit. And he's still... <laughs> it, it's a it's a really awkward setup for the joke. Oh, that's not like Count Chocula. But then again, I know that Americans take their cereal very seriously. Oh, yeah. I've seen your aisles and the bigger there's some streets in the UK. So... <laughs> The Count Chocula payoff is amazing. I do have that. Does it look a bit like me? 
Well, you're right, Bob. That is that has a dangerous jagged metal O in it, even. Yeah, that crusty yeah. Box. I think they discontinued that, uh, that after the lawsuit. Yeah. yeah. I I did actually want to ask about the comparisons of cereal culture in America versus the UK, Matthew, especially with the like. Is Count Chocula even a thing there? It's barely a thing here. Pretty much, monster cereals like Count Chocula go on sale during the month of October, and then they go away again. Fuck no, you can't sell anything with uh, chocolate in all, all E numbers to kids nowadays, which mm-hmm. is probably for the best. It was amazing going to the... When I go to America, I love to find a Walmart or Walgreens or whatever just to look at the aisles because they're just so amazing to me because you'll have like at waist level height, Count Chocula, and then above you in a bigger box... Count Chocula's extra chocolatey, chocolatey choc chocs or whatever. <laughs> now with 25% more diabetes, you know, because to show the other kids you're rich, get this one, you know, the deluxe edition all and all the... the stuff. And then you go to like, they're all got like mascots, you know, there's all like characters and all this. And then you go to like the healthy cereal aisle. It's all just life. And it's a picture of like a white woman smiling. And that's it. It's just completely horrible. It's completely different to what we have here, which is, this is what's in this cereal. <laughs> it's like, all... it'll, it'll make you good. It's full of roughage. So <laughs> I... it's good for you because it'll make you run to the toilet. We have a cereal here called, I think it's just called Best Friends. And it's just like two smiling yeah, friends Kashi on the cover. Best friends. Yeah. yeah, that's... <laughs> It's, uh, but it, I, I'm pretty sure all cereal is bad for you, <laughs> no matter how many marshmallows that aren't in it. But I, I love cereal. It's one of my favorite things. I have transitioned more to the adult boring cereals. They're not Weetabix. They're not, I'm not a... Constable Crunch? Constable Crunch. <laughs> Why can't adults have these mascots? I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's bullshit. The only kids get the uh, Cuddle Crunch or whatever. Like, Why can't we get a mascot that's, you know, Healthy Dave's Colon? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't recall there being a, a Simpsons cereal ever though there had to be you know i don't think there yeah, ever there was. had to be surely man let's I, google they should just make crustios <laughs> that is the cereal in the simpsons universe you know what boy yeah i let's make a pitch to general mills to sell crustios at like the next san diego comic-con they got desperate enough to make mario cereal so anything's possible <laughs> if the new day gets oh, here we go uh, uh breaking news oh. uh, there were no problemos cereal Sold very briefly in the UK in 2003. Whoa. Those were just off-brand Cheerios. Let's and, be honest. Uh, <laughs> frosted multi-grain cereal loops. Interesting. Wow, yeah. I that's uh, that reminds me of the cereal I got from Pro Wrestling Tees when uh, I bought mm. I I bought the parody version of a new day cereal from kenny omega and it just came the cereal it came with was just cheerios it was just as simple as that and uh, i did eat it but it's got a new hat it, <laughs> it has such a great new hat the checks mix is good i'll say that that's my last thing on cereal we get to see burns as many goof ups in the grocery store i wonder if they were inspired to do the frostilicus bit by having the uh by having burns trapped in the dairy aisle too <laughs> right was this a popular culture thing where old people getting stuck there's really in, not enough room uh, milk to, aisles in supermarkets in america there's really not <laughs> enough room to get into the freezer or yeah. the cooler or whatever you're now, exploring the idea of getting trapped in one is funny but now i think it might be slightly to do with how much people were talking about disney freezing him walt disney freezing himself mm. but uh, that's that's the best i can think where that could come from culturally meanwhile burns is caught up in the eternal question ketchup 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 I'm in way over my head. He's uh, talking to the ketchup now. Burns is sure acting nutty. Maybe going broke and losing his plants destroyed his brain. (laughs) Could you come along with us, sir? Are you here to solve my ketchup problem? 
Yes, that's right. <laughs> Wiggum is there. <laughs> where, where are you taking me? What's happening? Relax. You've gone off your nut, so we're stuffing you into an old folks home. Those uh, store guys signed the commitment papers. But I'm shopping. I never really read one of the clerk's lines as a jokes before, but this time it really made me laugh rewatching it. It's like, maybe going broke and losing his plant destroyed his brain. <laughs> it's, it's just so blunt and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And good, oh, good this job. This is the only time I've ever heard of catsup. I don't know what it is. And I, Googling it brings up this episode. It's just a different spelling. Mm -hmm. Some brand. Oh, it is just ketchup? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, oh, okay. Some brands in America, they wanted to stand out from, say, the popular Heinz or Hunt's brand of ketchup that they say, like, no, we're cats up here. I don't see that anymore. Whenever I'm in the condiment aisle, I want to do the joke with myself, mm -hmm. but there's never cats up. Yeah, it's pretty rare to see it. I, I've only really experienced cats up. And I grew up in the South, but I've only really experienced it like Western style, like barbecues and stuff. They're like, here's the cats up in mm. little packets. I catch up is where it's at for me. And as an American, it is the number one condiment. You just slather it on in everything and it tastes, it tastes, it makes it all taste. Just put wonderful. tomato jam and all of things you put in your mouth. <laughs> and the, uh, but yeah, also that they have the ability to commit him and that he's just so sad of like, but, but, but I'm shopping. Yes. That's... Yeah, that's a uh, they're really humanizing him. I don't humanize him, just point out like outside the the plan with no money, he's a completely weak old person with three liver spots on his head, <laughs> that look like a UK plug. And yeah, just but I'm shopping is is very oh they're taking away oh, no, his independence. Man is, is confused. <laughs> Without all of his money, he has like no respect. People don't even see him other than the grocers like Wiggum and everyone else just be like, shut up, old man. They don't <laughs> even recognize him as Mr. Burns, the old famous man in, in the town. He's lost George everything. George Bush. Yeah. <laughs> and his uh they mentioned on the commentary too, they to soften Burns, they take away his scowl. Like ah, he's okay. Often in previous scenes, like he always in, in normally they animate him always with a scowl and his eyes only become circles when he's like surprised or for acting purposes. But once he loses everything, they stop drawing the scowl. And when the scowl comes back in this episode, that's when you know he's <laughs> evil again. I think the casual wear also makes him seem more of a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> not the harsh suit that he usually wears it seems more like the owner of Jurassic Park than Mr. Burns yeah that's right <laughs> it's real John Hammond cosplay right and also like one day I'll do an intro an intro an ending for the video that's just got Mr. Burns looking at the thing and going Monday Night Raw Monday Nitro Monday <laughs> Nitro Monday Nitro I'm in over my head <laughs> and I will laugh three of the people will laugh and no one else will care you got two right here <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we cut to Homer helping Lisa by getting drunk, and it's some of my favorite Homer drunk animation. Like he's just so all over the place. Like Ooh. I, I like when Homer is feeling the discomfort of being drunk. Normally it's, he's just a happy drunk, but this is like I don't feel good. It's not a pleasant drunk. It's a painful drunk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and his bloodshot yeah, eyes. It's great because again, this is the commentary. There's a bit of a goof here because you know I'm wanting to pick one of those out. His eyes are shadowed he's supposed to have the under the eye shadowed by like he's tired but they they did them wrong 
the animation scenes, they left it in. So it's almost like the beer is soaking into his brain. <laughs> <laughs> I think it sells it even more to have that on his eyelids instead of under his eyes. Yeah. Just like he is so hammered. It is a new level of drunkenness for Homer. <laughs> but what a great dad getting himself mortaled <laughs> to help recycling. Yeah, it's it's very sweet of him. And it is suggestion to Lisa here in this clip I also love. It's, it's a great acting by Dan. There's got to be more trash around here somewhere. Hey! Why don't you try the old folks home? They practically live in their own filth. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome, honey. <laughs> That's the activity room. We're not allowed in there. That's the library. Not allowed in there either. And don't even think about going in the game room. Uh. Hey, good man. How are we supposed to pass the time? Best bet is to stake yourself out a good spot at the staring window. Yeah, that thing about Homer talking about how they live in their own filth, he's not giving her advice, he's just being a dick. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, old people are dirty. <laughs> it's almost like a scene from a prison movie with Abe and Monty, where he's just like, oh, you can't, like they're sitting with their trays in front of them, and they're like, here's the rules of the prison. You don't go in there, you don't go in there. It's like one flow of the cuckoo's nest yeah. for old people. And it is, it's very miserable, these scenes, because again, with Simpsons at its best, it could be funny and cynical, but there's also very real life moments here. Have you ever been to a retirement home? Oh, it's not yeah. far off this. No. Oh, Mr. Burns has it, to be honest with you. The staring window is a new depressing touch at the retirement castle. Just, yeah. just one leaf on a on a dead tree. <laughs> a reference to O. Henry's The Last oh, Leaf. You're right, yeah. <laughs> Which uh, just, just wasn't depressing enough. Yeah, just in case it wasn't sad enough. I wonder, too, if Abe's discussion with Burns was prefaced by him saying, hey, remember you just tried to kill me <laughs> not too long ago over the, over the hellfish bonanza. <laughs> Abe can't remember that. No, it's true. His great adventure. <laughs> I love the dance instructor animation, like his hands going back and forth. Like, come on, get in the fun. That <laughs> shot of Burns just looking furious. Uh, I actually used that way, way back in the day on my live journal. I Whoa. captured that as one of my live journal avatars. <laughs> that kind of aggressive, non-fun while other people are having fun is definitely, it's a mood. And he's day. off, a big mood. He's off in his own yeah. corner too. And he, the scowl is there in that, in that shot. It is, yeah. And great use of achy, breaky heart. Mm -hmm. It was a comedy song at that point. Mm -hmm. Who is Billy Ray Cyrus to turn down money, even if it's mocking him as an annoying song? It seems it's all over for Mr. Burns. So this is how the Monty Burns saga ends. Mm -hmm. <sighs> if I hadn't surrounded myself with those spineless yes-men. What do you mean you don't have anything to recycle? You must have some magazines or newspapers. That voice, that shrill, disagreeable voice. <laughs> it's her. Sorry, we're not allowed to read newspapers. <laughs> they angry up the blood. You, the troublemaking girl. My name is Lisa, Mr. Burns. Lisa Simpson. It doesn't matter what your name is, you idiot. <laughs> what I want to know is, will you help me get my money back? Ha, huh, I'd never help you. You're the worst man in the world. Yes, that's the kind of moxie I'm looking for. <laughs> You're hired. No, I'm not. Sir, I'm so sorry my grocer committed you. We'll never shop there again. Not now, Smithers. I've got an empire to rebuild. And the person who's going to help me is that girl. Okay, so this is one of several That Girl opening parodies that confused the hell out of me as a kid until me I too. saw the actual opening much, much later. So in case you don't know, this is a parody of the opening song and scene of the sitcom That Girl. It was a 1966 and 1971 sitcom. And let me tell you guys, sitcom uh, plots and premises were outlandish in the 60s. Like, what if hillbillies found gold? What if there was a genie? What if a horse could talk? This one is, what if a woman went to the city? 
Now, I know what you're thinking. Uh, Where's her husband? <laughs> she doesn't have a husband. She's no, going to husband. the city. Just a woman in the city. By and herself. she's got good hair. How about that? Wow. It's gold. It's gold. Five seasons. <laughs> That's but, amazing. But yes, uh, it's sort of like Mary Tyler Moore. Like, what if a woman went to the city? It could work. It could work. <laughs> uh, so I have the opening of that girl. And the music is used in this parody, or it's a sound alike. And actually, the doorbell that ends this That Girl parody is the dun-dun, is the That Girl sort of I thing. love that guy. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Family Guy did a much more shot-for-shot parody of this opening. So if you watch it online, you'll see that. And I believe Animaniacs did, too, and something else did. It was all over in the 90s, but Henry, please, we can hear all... If everybody who grew up watching it as a kid, who then went work in the animation industry, did a parody of Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is just the song. She's in the big city. Uh, <laughs> That's good. So yeah, some of the gags we see in that parody are from the opening, which um, Marlo Thomas, the actress who plays that girl looks in the window at a mannequin in a wedding dress and then it's suddenly it's her and the mannequin winks at her and could that be me could i be married one day in the city as a woman that's my ultimate goal uh so yes that's that girl i'm sure it sucks and it just had a a fun opening people remember and everybody had the hairstyle it was the rachel hairstyle of the day which is why they cast marlo thomas as rachel's mother in okay i'm into the that girl hairstyle i say bring it back i want fiberglass hair (laughs) <laughs> well and in that in that parody sequence too when lisa sees burns in the window he is standing next to that mannequin they yeah. drew the mannequin in there too and and the kite with the that girl logo on it is now lisa's head drawn in a similar style <laughs> i only got this that girl reference because before this episode i think a year before on Space Goes Coast to Coast, they do a that wow. girl reference as well. It's insane. I mean, the opening is kind of iconic, but I don't I don't really get why yeah. so many people parodied it. I mean, there are funnier openings from this era and things that are a little more iconic, to use well, that word again. It feels a little like filler. It feels like yeah. we need another minute in this episode. Well, in Family Guy, they did a parody of the entire opening. And oh, it yeah. was Peter in drag. Well, I mean, Family Guy's got... That's right, I remember that. Family Guy's got Simpsons beat on filler recreations. (laughs) It was like, we can't win an Emmy unless we have a That Girl reference. (laughs) I mean, the old dinosaurs at the Emmys would know, hey. Yeah, they'll get any of the jokes. Oh, oh, I get that. (laughs) Uh, Also, right before the That Girl thing, anger's up the blood. I say that all the time. I forgot it was from this episode. (laughs) Bob has heard me say that about any time I'm mad (laughs) at something on Twitter. I'd be like, I really angered up my blood blood and i love that burns's inability to talk to lisa he's like it doesn't matter what your name is idiot you work for me now shut up little girl <laughs> shut up <laughs> it's it's so sweet and yeah so the burns though finally does convince lisa to work with him sir we've never met before but my mm-hmm. name is mr burns and i want your daughter to help make me rich again you mean maggie ah the baby who shot me no i was referring to your <laughs> other daughter Lisa, you have a guest. So, um, how's life in the gutter? You again. I've realized the error of my ways, Lisa. I need someone with your integrity to help me. Please, don't refuse this poor old man. 
If I did agree to help you, you could only earn money by doing good, socially responsible things. Nothing evil. Nothing evil. That's exactly the kind of radical <laughs> thinking I need. It's a deal. So wasn't Don't Be Evil Google's catchphrase and they they slyly just got rid of that? Oh, wow. Like, what? I completely I'm forgot. Trying. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you know what? Evil's pretty cool. We can't promise that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> define evil. What even is evil? <laughs> Turns out it's say? way easier to be evil. We're sorry. And, uh, <laughs> some more great cinematography. I'll probably I get the wrong term for it, but whatever. I think they're doing a good effort, so I'll use that term and big it up. Uh, yeah. Lisa up the stairs. She has the power over Mr. Burns here. That is really good. Yeah. And then and then it's her walking down the stairs to come to his level, yeah. too. And I like yeah. Burns slightly looking up at Lisa to see if she's buying it because he doesn't mean it. He pretty much doesn't. And I just also love that he sees nothing evil is the radical thinking. He's like, well, but and it's you get a nice double shot of continuity bits here, too. Of one, Burns is back to not remembering who Homer is, and which uh, I. Apologies to listeners. I had previously said that in Homer the Smithers, when he learned who Homer was, he would never forget who Homer is. But clearly that is reverted back. Uh, and then just, the baby who shot me. No. Like, <laughs> and just the finger guns that Maggie does to him is so great. It's That's like great. Maggie remembers shooting him and, and likes that. And he's literally coming to the Simpsons hat in hands. Yeah. I like his nice, had his hand. jaunty fedora he wears throughout <laughs> the rest of the show. Right. And I think Simpsons at this point was just on the boundary of self-parody while still being able to be very funny by itself. It's it's just on the cutting point of, oh, I remember the baby shot me? I don't know. <laughs> um, so again, the last, it's definitely not the last hurdle of the good Simpsons race, mm -hmm. but it, it, it does work here. And uh, so now they're working together and Lisa is finally explaining recycling to Mr. Burns. You mean there are actually people who will pay good money for garbage? Good money, really. Each can will get you a nickel. No, don't poo-poo a nickel, Lisa. A nickel will buy you a steak and kidney pie, a cup of coffee, a slice of cheesecake, and a newsreel. With enough change left over to ride the trolley from Battery Park to the polo grounds. There's a can. <laughs> Clearly reflecting on his childhood. I love that line because it feels like a math challenge. Because he lists five things that you can do with a nickel, <laughs> it would imply that each of those is one penny, mm. and so you can buy one of those things for a penny each, and then uh, ride the, the trolley. And then the trolley is the so you do those four things, and then the change you have to have left over is the penny for the trolley. Oh, very nice. <laughs> and uh, we also get a good call back to the six pack holder just to remind viewers of that since it's been a while since we heard about the the dangers of the six packs and it gives burns an idea that we'll see much later <laughs> and uh, as usual in schwarzwalder's world of cyn very cynical world no good deed goes unpunished when they save the fish it is immediately eaten by a shark and, <laughs> and nelson is there <laughs> nelson is just there to laugh just to let you know like yeah this is fucked up haha uh -huh. and so they start collecting cans it's uh it is you know i thought this montage was really cool because earlier in the episode burns laughed at the idea of stick to it of and hard work as a way to get rich and yet here he is working really hard and there's this just cool scene of him getting a nickel for the can turning that nickel in to buy a nail to get a better thing to pick up more cans and start making more money like that is classic industriousness and stick-to-itiveness and there are no real jokes in that scene it's just there for you to want to be on mr burns side like yeah he's doing it he's actually yeah. working for himself yeah the episode does a good job of making you go all right, we've got seven minutes. Got my DVD that I'm watching at the same time as this. Um, <laughs> right, Mr. Burns is good now. 
we know how the Simpsons works. Everything resolved at the end. But how exactly are we going to get there with mm-hmm. him still being nice to Lisa? It's one of these quandaries. You go, how is this going to work? So it's, it is nice with a bit of pausing to not necessarily have jokes for 10 seconds. So I could show him, yeah, okay, well, this, as he just said, the Lisa, uh, well, don't balk on a nickel. This nickel can get me this. And with that, I can use to get more. And pretty soon, this is basically how the tapped out minigame works. Oh, uh, I played for a solid year and a half before I had to get rid of it because I was literally setting my watch to wake up in the morning to coincide with when the rewards were coming in. Oh, that game <laughs> that's, is sick. That's why I don't install it. I've, I've had similar don't, addictions. Not even to- once. <laughs> Though the little Lisa recycling plant is available in that game. Oh, don't! I, I've got to go check now. Oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, it begins. <laughs> uh, but Burns has already made his first dollar. My first dollar, thanks to you, Lisa, and our hemp smoking friend. Shine <laughs> on, you crazy diamond. Sounds like somebody's living in the past. Contemporize, man. Well, Lisa, <laughs> as my advisor. You're entitled to 10%. Oh, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm just happy knowing that future generations will enjoy unspoiled median strips and pristine highway embankments. There's a can. I like in this episode how we see Mr. Burns' morality is just in the terms of pure capitalism. Like, he will give Lisa money because they have an agreement, and we'll Mm -hmm. see that much later. And we'll see other things motivated by pure capitalism in the end of this episode. But I I do like how they're exploring his morality, like Mm -hmm. how his morality works. You're my partner. You get 10%. Even if it's a dime, which is a meaningless amount of money, he's like, well, well, that's yours. I share it. That's how it is. Also, Lisa's dream of unspoiled median strips is such a lame She doesn't dream of like clean rivers or anything just like just nice strips of grass in the middle of asphalt can we at least have that and a nice uh a nice return of there's a can yeah to get someone to shut up <laughs> or change the subject in reality no one would actually get this rich recycling so it's a good they kind of have to keep doing montages just be like and then burns is able to do this well uh, all right i just mm-hmm. just accept it but I love this scene. Marge never gets to be funny, and she rarely gets respected as funny by her family. So I really love this scene with her. Me too. And from our It's Funny When It Happens to Them file, remember millionaire C. Montgomery Burns? The man who blocked out our son, ran over a local boy, and stole Christmas from 1981 to 1985? Well, guess who's flat broke and picking up trash for a living? Please be Flanders. Please be Flanders. Please be Flanders. Excuse me, Mr. Burns. Now that you're completely ruined... How do you feel? Excellent. I'm on my way back to the top. I've turned these cans into can-do. Well, you smell terrible. Good luck to you, sir. (laughs) Wow, he went from stinking rich to just plain stinking. (laughs) Good one, Mom. You're so bad, honey. You guys shouldn't laugh at him. Mr. Burns has changed. He's different now. Yeah, he's broke. (laughs) (laughs) Two in a row. (laughs) Marge's first singer was a lot better. Yeah. She should have called it quits after that. She was on a roll, no, no, I guess. I, I think it's made by Homer's two in a row. <laughs> two in a row. I, if Marge, so many times there's a joke where Marge is told, like, mom, but in this time they're all supporting her. It's like, you're so funny. Because <laughs> they all hate Mr. Burns. They do. It's happy when it happens. It's funny when it happens to him. And it helps <laughs> to dump on Lisa that not even Marge is on her side in this. <laughs> and that was also some more history there, too, of 
him actually blotting out the sun and him running over Bart. It's only the stealing Christmases thing is a new reference <laughs> in there, which I'd love to know why he did that for those three years. Although he was the Grinch in Last Exit to Springfield. That is true. Mark Kirkland and John Swartzwelder <laughs> were on that great. one too. Holy crap. Yep. Wow. You're on fire. <laughs> and, and I like the way it's done. It's like, remember him? The guy who blocked the sun. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and the drawing of him in the gu- in the gutter, him saying, I'm turning these cans into can-do, that still looks pitiful. And it, as the way it's presented on television, it's just like this poor, crazy person is going <laughs> through garbage and thinks he's getting rich again. Ha, I, ha. I love how perfectly patronizing Kent Brock is. <laughs> well, you smell terrible. Yeah. Good luck to you, sir. <laughs> incredibly exploitative media. Uh, well, and speaking of exploitable, I like I like how Burns right, knows like this is untapped workers for him at the old folks home. They're not doing anything else so why not help him sift through trash seemingly for free all he's going to do is take him to a pond and even that he had to be coaxed into doing by lisa and he's not doing anything positive he's like wow the old people can really benefit i guess Lisa just go along with seeing it that perspective he's just like oh you're gonna see some ducks yeah. Uh and Lyndon and then we get our second Lyndon LaRouche reference ever in Simpsons history is previously heard in the Citizen Kang clip where he says like Lyndon LaRouche was right. Yes, so you really don't need no, to know much about him. He he's a crazy conspiracy theorist, the Alex Jones of his day. But he ran for president. Yeah. Hey, Alex Jones hasn't not done that yet. He yeah. will be in in 2024, right? Uh, uh, Bob, come on. <laughs> You're bringing me down, man. Uh, but so Burns is finally time to open up his brand new plant. Yes, thank you, everyone. But 10% of your applause should go to my little partner, Lisa Simpson. For if it were not for her infectious moralizing, we would not be here today to witness <laughs> the unveiling of the Little Lisa Recycling Plant. Ain't that cute? Makes little Debbie look like a pile of puke. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great line. Yeah. From Mo. Makes X look like a pile of puke is something I say all the time. That's a good one. And then Mo can't be complimentary without being disgusting too. Even when he wants to say a little girl is cute or a design is cute, he's like. He has to bring in a pile of puke in his description. And I wonder, Matt Matthew, do you know about Little Debbie? Is that in the UK? Little Debbie, the the snack treat brand? Uh, no, but oh. I know who you mean because okay. USA is everywhere. Gotcha. Ah. I wasn't sure if that reference was lost on you or not. I haven't seen Little Debbie stuff in a while. I think it's only because I go to Trader Joe's and nowhere else. Uh, Little Debbie's not really the brand here in our town. It's it's Hostess. This is a Hostess town, <laughs> not a Debbie town. And Dolly Madison is dead. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you, it's a terrifying looking kid on the box, though. Oh yeah, oh uh, yeah. I she I take a pile of puke, puke over her. <laughs> she, some weird Norman Rockwell creation. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but it is quite a jump, though, that Burns's business with the old folks could at best make him hundreds of dollars a week i would say not enough to open his own recycling plant but to make this more convincing they would have needed to introduce us in like the second act and yeah. have him grow his empire but it's not that's not very interesting and i kind of like the speed it feels like a very swartzwaldian thing of just like the speed of a spinning newspaper says he bought a plant so let's just go to it like, yeah let's, let's just get there <laughs> and the great design on the plant like it's such a real looking plant and from the beginning, in the background, you see the the mm. coastline. You know it's yeah. at the coastline. Okay. Like, dun, dun, dun. And it's not, so to make it not a big surprise when the fishing finally goes into it, it's a really good, smart setup. It's something I feel like 
Some later Simpsons episodes wouldn't take the care to introduce that kind of specific to pay off a plot point later, but they they take the care in the design here. And it. it's like I present the MacGuffin factory. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it is great. It is luring you in. You're like, all right, okay, everything seems okay. Where's yeah. this going? It's You're... made of old liquor bottles. <laughs> all right. In my first viewing as a kid, well, as a kid, I mean 13 year old, I probably still was thinking like. When's this shoe dropping here? Yeah. Where's this coming? He can't be good forever. <laughs> That's not this show. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Lisa is at first very impressed. And the windows are from the old liquor bottles we collected. Hey, I thought I told you to stop licking my windows. I know, you told me. <laughs> when I woke up this morning, I said, Marty, you're not going to lick that I'm lamp. so proud of you, Mr. Burns. <laughs> You're getting your fortune back, and you're doing it without endangering the planet or cozying up to the Aspen crowd. Oh, hold your accolades to the end of the tour. You haven't seen the best part. I couldn't watch your demonstration of the fish caught in the plastic rings mm. without getting an idea. Look out over the water. I, I really like that Barney scene because that's a side of alcoholism the show has not made fun of or explored. <laughs> Just like the sad reasoning as to why he's doing such a depraved thing. I love I, that. I really want to hear the end of his sentence too. The end of his story. This speech that Barney has been telling himself like, I know you told me. I told myself. It's like, you don't. Yeah, an alcoholic just giving you a speech trying to justify why they are licking garbage <laughs> to get more alcohol off Those it. bottles have to be washed clean. Yeah, very much so. When that Aspen crowd joke. So what I took it to, maybe I'm wrong here, but I took it to mean is a very insider comedy reference mm. that in the late 90s, a lot of comedians were being discovered through the Aspen Comedy Festival. And so cozying up to the Aspen crowd meant that's how you got a up in your comedy career was by cozying up to the Aspen Film Festival. I assume. Comedy I, Festival. I mean, I think I, I I thought of that too. I just assume in general she meant like uh, limousine liberals, oh. that sort of thing, like super rich liberals. That would really fit with the recycling plant thing too. Yeah, the limousine liberals would have financed it. Man, there should have been a scene of that of some rich liberal guy, like Clintonian type. G investing in Burns's plant, so that would have been even. Uh, that would have been funny. So yeah, I assumed it was the film festival. So yeah, I give you the information. Burns reveals his what he was oh. the the evilness of his plan the whole time. And one thing I want to point out from the commentary that I really like is this podcast we've talked about often the intersection of anime fandom with Simpsons fandom. And on the commentary, Mark Kirkland specifically brings up an artist, Tomi Yamaguchi or Tomihiro Yamaguchi, an artist on the Simpsons team who came from the anime industry in Japan and had moved to America oh, okay. and was working on the team. He is who Kirkland specifically calls out as the guy who figured out how to make the net work in wow. animation. He's like, Tomi brought in his experience from anime figuring out complicated th sequences like that to make that scene work. So this is Anime Simpsons right here, the the sea sweeper. Anime is so good at just drawing complex machinery mm. before computers did all of that stuff, so I can totally see that. And it is a good shot for something like The Simpsons, which obviously isn't a limited animation uh, thing or anything like that, but yeah, somebody had to hand draw that. Multiple whales being pulled in by a net design and you have to like that's a lot of pencil mileage as the term goes yeah and those whales were something way too close to the shore i think those poor whales the whales i feel like it's drawn it's so funny but in the darkest way yeah. possible when you see those whales it's just like 
It's uh, one thing for fish, but there's multiple giant whales in here. It's uh, it's really. I mean, it is like ridiculous. Like, yeah. oh, a million fish, including whales. Yeah. <laughs> just and then the slurry production animation is also just like a swinging blade and like wonderfully like, reprehensible yeah. and as violent and horrible as possible. <laughs> poor, uh, oh god, and poor Lisa has to see it all. The production of the slurry, slurry, such a good word too. I love slurry. This episode taught me the word slurry, and I love it. <laughs> I think I use it all the time now. Right, and the thing he goes, you start describing the usage of slurry, like it's a feed for animals, insulation for low income housing. <laughs> it's funny, but. Grim, when it was the stories of American subways, the stuff they were putting inside the sandwiches was the same stuff they were putting in a gym mat. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> now that... There's very little meat in these gym mats. <laughs> now the slurry... Yeah, I, I love the idea of the slurry being packed into low-income housing as insulation, even though it's also highly explosive by <laughs> Burns' description. That's also true, yeah. <laughs> uh, but... So this speech by Burns here. Oh boy, it's this perfect. Is, this is what I think. This informed my belief in what businessmen think and how they how evil businessmen justify anything to themselves. And this this shows you it's just the way Burns is. I think. Oh dear God! I call our product Little Lisa's patented animal slurry. It's a high-protein feed for farm animals, insulation for low-income housing, a powerful explosive, and a top-notch engine coolant. And best of all, it's made from 100% recycled animals. <laughs> oh, I think I'm going to be sick. Oh, a spoonful of slurry will cure what ails you. Oh, you haven't changed at all. You're still evil, and when you're trying to be good, you're even more evil. <laughs> I don't understand. Pigs need food. Engines need coolant. Dynamiters need dynamite. I'm <laughs> supplying it to them at a tidy profit, and not a single sea creature was wasted. You inspired it all, little Lisa. <gasps> it really is such a good exploration of the amorality of this kind of hypercapitalism, where <laughs> the only good is something that makes a profit. So, like, yeah. well, I'm making money. How could this be bad? People and, have these needs, and I fulfill them. And to ask someone to do something that would cost them money, like give people health insurance, like, well, no, why would I spend my money on that? Why would I yeah. want to make less money? That's weird. That's bad. Do you, don't, you know how business works? That stance of for a tidy profit. Yeah. And again, it's it's shot beautifully because suddenly the, the colors have turned dark. She, it's, it's suddenly they're in like the basement for some reason, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, beforehand where Lisa was on the top of the stairs, uh, overshadowing Mr. Burns. She's in the bottom right hand corner, and he's in the. He's got the slightly bigger eyes than usual, mm. which was you'd see a few episodes uh, seasons ago when the animation was a bit like that. But now here he's almost like he's possessed, and he yeah. sees absolutely nothing, and literally cannot comprehend what Lisa is saying as he walks more towards, I guess, the camera. And then he's overpowering. It's, it's brilliantly shot. Again, yeah. I'm sorry to sound like, you know. No, no, you're totally right. Please there's, sorry, there's a great shot of Burns. He's on the left side of the screen. Lisa is sort of uh, like kind of pinned against the wall. And it's a great, you know, showing how creepy the scene is. And Burns mm -hmm. is much larger than her. But also, Lisa, the wall behind her is just like gross. There's like a leaky pipe. This is a new mm -hmm. factory. Nothing should be this decrepit. But it's just like <laughs> a very disgusting wall behind her. It's like the nightmare world is falling apart within her. And she's getting closed in. It's it's It looks so great. And the I also love Burns' stance of like... Like it's made from 100% recycled animals. Like recycling, good, right? I recycled it. Like he, he's even turned recycling into like th just the idea of 
taking a bunch of animal living things out of the sea and then mashing them into <laughs> a, a slurry is like it's recycling right it's like i, I made right. your idea it, better it, it's great and he, he's using her image she's little lisa yeah personifying everything she hates a capitalism uh dead fish <laughs> you know <laughs> everything like that and and again he's like i don't understand he's not being evil and he bends over and it's just his creepy ass looks yeah. like Gary Oldman in Bram Stoker's Dracula face. It's brilliant. It's awesome. Yeah. So, and then that's when, as I said, the shoes drop. You're like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just the silence. And yeah, as a viewer, you're waiting for Lisa. You're waiting just the same as Lisa for the shoe to drop. And so when Lisa says, oh, God, you're like, ah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> and leave it to John Schwartzwelder to write when he's given the environmental episode to write a scene where Lisa, the conscience of the show, is screaming at people to not recycle. <laughs> but you told us to, Lisa. <laughs> Stop! Don't recycle! It's murder! You're helping Mr. Burns! But you told us to recycle. You convinced us it was good. Huh. No! It's evil! Please! Stop recycling! So obviously that's a scene from the 1978 remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Very, very, very good movie. I watched it recently a few Halloweens ago. It's it's fantastic. And I believe in the movie scene people are carrying the pods ah, for the for the pod right, people. Yeah. In the back of the and I was gonna say, and also a bit of solid green here. Mm-hmm. She's trying to convince people, like, no, no, you don't understand. And just it keeps her going on and on. And she's right in the middle of the street. It pans out, and there's everybody doing it. And she realizes how futile it is, and she breaks down. Oh. And it's a horror film for a few seconds. Yeah. I it's great acting on Yardley, just the crying from Lisa of like, no, no. And actually, the you know, from the Soylent Green film, the factory is a bit like the Soylent Green yeah. factory that Charlton Heston comes across to. It's unfortunately the Soylent Green, like I could never, I only watched it after every thing was revealed about it. I actually didn't have the twist for Planet of the Apes ruined for me as a kid. But Soylent Green, I think in part thanks to jokes like this on The Simpsons, the uh, the twist was ruined for me before I saw it. I only well, really. I'm f- very impressed that you didn't avoid. You managed to avoid the Planet of the Apes spoiler, considering it's on the DVD <laughs> cover now. <laughs> well, yeah. this was back uh, on the VHS cover. I think it was not there. Just monkeys on a horse. <laughs> Just, uh, someone's written on pen in the front. It's a sled. <laughs> <laughs> so Lisa is broken and destroyed by by trying to do good, and I love Homer's uh, lesson. And all that is never help anyone. <laughs> never help anyone. <laughs> uh, but good advice. Uh, Burns and Smithers arrive, and it all almost feels like there's a joke missing there when so you hear the doorbell ring you see marge open the door and burns and smithers is there and then they just walk in it's like shouldn't there the simpsons never misses a chance for a joke so it's just so weird that it's like for a couple seconds there's no joke it's yeah. just they arrive and walk in it was kind of flat it was odd oh, i haven't checked the dvd for see if there's any deleted scenes from this episode damn it probably should have done that but <laughs> i think it's more to do with the fact that ah Mr. Burns has got his, his suit back, his scowl's ah. there. He's got his groove back. It's like, oh, all right, back to normal. So I think maybe just it works as a reaction shot. You know what? You're right. That yeah. It does establish before he walks into the room, it establishes that Burns is back to what he was before. That's a good it point. It doesn't even need to say hello. He just walks in. <laughs> you're right. I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> but but Burns is here with quite an offer for little Lisa. Simpson, oh, never mind that. Wait, wait, wait. Oh. I'm watching this. Smithers says Lenny's reign of terror is over. A reign of terror was in Burns's dictionary. <gasps> oh, it was wow. okay. Awesome. Oh awesome. my god. Wow. 
<laughs> yeah, and <Sorry. laughs> I forgot that Lenny sent Homer home to think about what he did, but he forgot. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That justified my entire appearance on this podcast. <laughs> Simpson, what are you doing here? Why aren't you at work? I made a bad mistake, and Lenny sent me home to think about what I did. <laughs> but I don't remember what it was, so I'm watching TV. Well, Lenny's reign of terror is over. Mr. Burns bought the plant back this morning. Enough chit-chat. I need to see Lisa. I don't want to talk to you, Mr. Burns. Oh, I think you will. You see, I just sold the Lil' Lisa recycling plant for $120 million. Congratulations. Oh, don't congratulate me. Congratulate Bay State Fish Sticks. <laughs> As my advisor, you're entitled to 10% of the proceeds. <gasps> Lise, have I told you lately that I love you? Wow. I've never seen so much money. Oh, but I can't accept that. Knowing where it came from? Can I, Mom? <laughs> I like, it's very cute that in a kid way, she's like, can I, Mom? It's good that Marge uh, believes in her and lets her make her own decision. I think in a lesser episode, Marge would be shitty. Yeah. And kind of, you know, they would Give sell her out her. Give her a guilt trip about it. Yeah, they would sell out her character a little, a little bit at least. Also, in no real world would a parent actually let their child turn down $12 million. They'd be like, I'm a parent. You know what? No. you. We take your $12 million. <laughs> yes, you're not a uh, legal adult. <laughs> I have power of attorney. This is our money now. <laughs> right, right. Uh, will let your dad work for minimum wage at the plant until he <laughs> dies, but don't take that money from him because that's bad money. Wow, you know what? That is a really good point on the ethics. I never of thought this of that. Yeah. Here, that Homer, their entire home is paid for with evil Burns money. So yeah, I mean, ethically, but that's good money. <laughs> that's this would true. be bad money. F- philosophically, this is a good moment in a simple way. This is a good moment for Lisa to show that she's turning down a like a deal with the devil in a way, but. Personally, yeah, I think that she probably should just take it. Obviously, the show ends. Yeah, they need a way to not have this this affect the the continuity of the show. But it's $12 million that will be spent evilly no matter what by Mr. Burns. So why not have those? Even you could just donate the $12 million entirely to a good cause. That's better than tearing up a check. Right, it's out of the bad man's hands and the good person's hands. Or maybe Lisa's realizing because her plan worked so badly the first time that if she tried something else, she'd probably just, I don't know, start World War Three, <laughs> humans versus the dolphins. Hmm. Or maybe John Swartzwelder, as a libertarian, just fucking hated Lisa and wanted to make sure that after he was dead, people would still hate Lisa for this one moment. I think you're right on that one. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Don't take the money from the capitalist. That would be wrong. <laughs> be wrong. It's the type of choice a child would make in that it's very black and white morality for sure. That it's like, well, this is bad money. But boy, you when you mentioned yeah, when you brought up that Homer gets Burns money his entire life, that's that really throws into question this turning down Burns' money this time. Or when they right, got right. the stuff. Y- from- y- your dad is dad has two strings of hair yet left. It is gonna <laughs> die eventually. But you know, Go back, go back to Monday uh, at the school and save up that trip to Albany by collecting cans, Lisa. <laughs> uh, but but Lisa does the right thing. Uh-huh. You did the right thing, sweetheart. Mm. Yeah, she threw a trash can through the window. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the first case I've ever seen of a man suffering four simultaneous heart attacks. I'm sorry, Dad. It's all right. I understand. But we really could have used that twelve thousand dollars. 
Um, Dad, 10% of $120 million isn't 12,000. It's... <laughs> Killing Homer at the end of this episode. Uh, by the way, start your fan theories right now. Homer <laughs> dies and the old man and the Lisa and then everything else is blah, 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 blah. Oh, Buzzfeed, yes. whatever. Uh, who cares? Yeah. I feel yeah, you know what? I... Simpsons predicted at first that Homer would eventually die. <laughs> but yeah, uh, what a great, uh, a very good way of ending the episode. Something that you took for granted how well majority of this period of Simpsons ended episodes on a funny and joke, or it worked really well. That's one thing that a lot of the newer ones, and I say newer, I mean quite old newer or mm-hmm. new newer, you know what I mean? A lot of them just fizzle out. Like, and that's the end. This is a hell of an ending. Homer's dead. The cruelty of this <laughs> reminds me more of the David Merkin era, or actually a lot more of the Mike Scully era to follow. The cruelty of this ending. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's bad. It just feels off the tone for the <laughs> Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. I think Homer passing out is a, it was a good shot, but they're like, we can double down on yeah. this. Like yeah. it's, and let Homer even, they get to do it twice. Cause you think Homer passes out just over, over what he thinks is the amount of money though. Then you get a, stupid homer joke in there too that he did math poorly come on lisa you should know better to not correct him over something that almost killed him yeah and again making you hate lisa even more yeah she couldn't have gone yes you're right twelve thousand dollars was the exact amount mr burns offered me dad that's right now i'm going to inform you (laughs) and also that the mix plastic with polystyrene is very bad for recycling (laughs) that's right notably notably they did get the eye showing right yes ah boy like yeah her pedantry almost killed her father that's true yeah, the- and the bill for Homer's quadruple heart attacks, coincidentally, was twelve million dollars. <laughs> it would not be cheap. That, yeah. uh, and also, yeah, those four heart attacks on a man who's already had bypass surgery. It's like it, he's dead. Homer, Homer he's is dead. Gonna need to call a doctor. Orb. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, this episode, I I was surprised going back into it. It's not one I feel that stands out in my head, but going back into it, it's like, oh, there's all these good burn speeches I've memorized, all these good lines I've memorized. I don't know why it never screams out to me as like a, one of the greatest of season eight, but it really is. I, I think I just love Burns so much. Yeah, it's. Uh, I also don't remember it as the Bret Hart episode, <laughs> but it's. It is a really. It's a really good one with tons of great Burnsisms. Lisa is always a great moral anchor for it, and giving her. You've seen so many episodes that are like Bart and Lisa team up, Bart and Homer team up. But Lisa never gets a random team up with a character outside of the family. So it was cool to see that. And I also did, when talking about the Bret Hart stuff, forgot to mention, I actually, thanks to a gift from friend of the show, Eric Nagel, I have a signed Bret Hart figure uh, from the NECA Toys line of the Simpsons celebrities. And this apartment does not have old man stink, so congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Wait, is that the Eric Nagel? Uh, Yeah, from the uh, the It's Eric Nagel show. E-Rock. Yep. Oh, wow. Great. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Good guy. Just casually dropping names there and good for you. I would do too. <laughs> so, I'm not Chewley. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well. so what? Uh, uh, any final thoughts on the episode, Matthew? Yeah. One of the reasons why Simpsons, I believe, is so replayable is the fact that, yeah, slowing down and going and going, this was good because of this and this was good because it was a reference to my girl and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
that not my goal street, that girl, whatever it's called. Um, my girl is Macaulay Colgan. Um, yeah, is there's so much, there's so many layers to this, and you also when you go back and appreciate what makes these bits good. I mean, the pace in season eight, I mean, it's so good with you know the a prohibition episode, as you'll talk about, um, the Mary Poppins episode and whatever. Yeah, there's so much stuff. The pace is so fast with these jokes and the plot and everything else like that. It's sometimes almost like watching it and fast forward because there's so much to take in. So when you replay it and you go, oh, I remember this bit. Oh yeah, the the little leaf, the one little leaf on the tree outside the the window he's staring at, and all the other things like, oh yeah, the baby that shot me, and all the things. It, it's <laughs> great watching back of this season eight. Thank thank Christ you asked me for season eight. If you say we're gonna be looking at the the grandpa as a wrestler episode, I'll be like, I'm sorry, I'm I'm washing my hair. But um, <laughs> no, thank you very much for letting me go back and go. Yes, this is great because of this, and <laughs> learn something about Americana, about Debbie's George <laughs> Bush Senior, and libertarianism. <laughs> well, thank thank you very much for doing the show, Matthew. And uh, what would you what you like to plug? Yeah, uh, nothing of note. Uh, I'm, I'm going to plug OSW. Um, because oh. they're such a lovely bunch of fellas. OSW, if you like hearing people do something very similar to this, I guess, but with old wrestling. Um, so it's like watching wrestling, but you don't have to admit you're watching it. You're watching other people watching it and being mm. very funny. Uh, please follow them at OSW. Mm. I'll just Google it. <laughs> no, the OSW review is great. But I, I, well, I will say I, I am a huge fan of Botchmany. I give to your Patreon as well. Uh, one of my favorite things on your Patreon is your the funny passwords you make up for the exclusive you put up there. One, you actually, uh, my husband was very <laughs> insulted by your FF8 sucks. Is <laughs> oh god damn it! Yeah, as soon as I put that up, <laughs> I went and checked Twitter, and I had three people, one of whom's a wrestler, go, uh, "I already don't like this video because of the password." Oh. <laughs> and for in fact, I. I was talking about Final Fantasy VIII because it been brought up again, the fact that they're announcing Final Fantasy games for the Switch, and it was 7, 10, 9, all your favorites coming out. <laughs> and, and it was conspicuous by its absence. And so I actually went and downloaded it for Steam to see if Final Fantasy VIII is as bad as I remember it being. And it would not work. Ooh. So I got the refund immediately from Steam. Uh, so thank you very much. <laughs> I, I honestly think both the Final Fantasy VIII is fantastic and Final Fantasy VIII is bad. People are weirdos. <laughs> the real answer... Everybody's a weirdo. The real answer is in the middle, everybody. Remember that. <laughs> but thank you so much, Matthew, for being on the show. So thanks again to Matthew. Check out Botchamania. It's great. Even if you aren't a wrestling fan like me, it's still so much fun to watch and so much work goes into all the editing and stuff. It's really cool to check out. So yes, Botchamania. But as for us, all of our shows are brought to you by the Talking Simpsons Network. And if you want to help support all of our shows, go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons and if you subscribe at the five dollar level you will get so many bonus podcasts exclusive series and you'll get every episode of this podcast a week ahead of time and ad free and the same goes for what a cartoon if you subscribe at the five dollar level there's so much happening there you get to talk in our community you'll get to get so many bonus podcasts every week and if you sign up you will get a nice little code you drop that into whatever you use to listen to podcasts and you can download our bonus podcast alongside all of your normal podcasts you could easily fit us and our bonus podcast into your podcasting lifestyle and you love podcasts right you're listening to this you want extra <laughs> ones we got them buddy if you join the talking simpsons network at patreon.com slash talking simpsons you'll get access to a ton of great classic stuff we did our talking critic where we went through every episode of the critic from the beginning and to the end even the webisodes talking futurama where we do the first season of futurama and so many great exclusive interviews including our interview we did with the director of this episode mark kirkland where he tells us a ton of great secrets of working on the simpsons and one of our most recent ones our interview with bill morrison where he talks about how dp was in the world of simpsons comic books and also his little known 
effect on the design of Futurama. Again, it is all happening on the Talking Simpsons Network and go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to join and we'd love to have you listen to all of our bonus podcasts there. As for me, you can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. I have another podcast that is Retro Knots. That is a classic gaming podcast. If you want to check it out, go to RetroKnots.com or look for Retro Knots in your podcast device. It's a classic gaming podcast. We've been doing this for 12 years, almost 13 and uh, there's like 400 episodes, folks. Go out there and listen to a few of them. Subscribe if you like it. And we have a Patreon, too, if you want to subscribe to that as well. There's cool stuff happening there. So, yes, uh, Retronauts.com. Thank you, Henry. I am H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. Follow me there for updates on the Talking Simpsons network, as well as when new episodes go live, and me sharing the exclusives that we do, too. Plus, if you liked a little bit of this wrestling talk on here, you'll hear even more of it on my Twitter H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G Thank you so much for listening folks We'll see you next week for In Marge We Trust Goodbye People, if we meet this week's quota, I'll take you to the most duck-filled pond you ever sat by. Oh, hot diggity, that's how he got me to vote for Lyndon LaRouche.